Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Sparks. And this is Bros Watch PLL2. Well, that sounded very professional of us. Uh, it sounded a little Bros Watch PLL2 after dark. After dark. This is an after dark episode of Bros Watch PLL2. It's 12 a.m. Friday morning. We're talking about S7E10, The Darkest Night. We were just talking off air about how we talk a lot of shit. Imagine. We do indeed. I am a shit talker. Uh, this episode written by I, Marlene King, and my Goldsmith, directed by Arlene Sanford. This is a Marlene episode, and by that I mean there is a lot of shit going on. A lot of shit going on, a lot of ships, shit and ships, uh, a lot of running around and screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. Did you like it? I love this episode. This is an orgy of all the things I love about PLL. <laughs> There's so much stuff that happens in the last five minutes of this episode. I feel like you could have just taken that and like stretch it out like two or three times as much, you know? You you could have, yeah, made a whole episode out of the uh, <clears throat> hashtag PLL death trap. <laughs> like that alone could have been an episode. Um, damn. Yeah. Let us jump in unless you have any follow-up. No, I just I just can't wait to talk about this. I always leave a space or follow up in my notes, and then by the time it's time to podcast, I'm like, nah, whatever. Yeah, that's how we roll. Yeah. So this episode, I mean, I think this is emblematic of the episode. It starts with a fade in to a whip pan. Mm-hmm. We fade into Spencer's kitchen, and then immediately whip pan to the shusher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, "If we do this, there's no stepping back from it." And Spencer says, we risk the police finding out about Archer. And I think it was at this moment in the episode that I was like, wait, is this an in media ray deal? Like, are we going to like do the yeah. like 18 hours earlier? Yeah, yeah it, it really felt that way. It's like, did we skip a scene? Like, do, um, but yeah, that's just the way this episode rolls. It's got a lot to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, Caleb's here and he says, you mean finding out that Hannah ran him over and he buried him like a dog? A little judgment there. I mean, fuck Rollins, right? I mean, yeah, I, but, but still, like, I feel like he's judging them a little bit. It's like, hey, fuck you. Maybe he's a little annoyed that he wasn't included. Maybe. Uh, Which I would make the argument that that incident directly led to the uh, Spela breakup. Did as, it? as much as any kids. I really feel you, the like. The whole, like, hiding the. I really feel like Spencer would have attempted to reconcile. Mm-hmm. If, uh, you know, on the other side of that door, if, you know, so there wasn't some shit going on of her mm-hmm. hand on the other side. Anyway. Yeah, I suppose so. But they, they told Caleb the truth about Rollins. Yeah. Rick, uh, in in case Rick. you thought you missed a scene, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they just told him between the last episode and this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, buried him like a dog. Mona did not appreciate that. Spencer just kind of stares at him. Arya rolls her eyes like she's not even going to dignify that with a response. And then Allie's there, and she says, to quote my dead husband, karma's a bitch. Kale's probably thinking, you know, to quote your dead husband, I gaslit you for like two years. <laughs> I don't think you can really talk, Allie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all got dead husbands. Mm-hmm. And Emily says, it was an accident, Spencer says, and we knew how it looked. We did it to protect Hannah. And Mona says, who is currently our resident girl gone rogue, which <laughs> is not a saying. 
Caleb's going to start dialing away on his phone. He's like, I'm trying her one last time. And Mona says, let's just ping her cell and go get her. And Caleb's like, I gave her a new phone, okay? You can't hack it. No, Caleb, you can't hack it. Exactly. They're all just kind of tense and frustrated. They're listening to that phone ring. He's like, got it on speaker. And Ari's just like, why isn't she picking up? And he says, because Noel probably has her locked up in another slaughtering hole. Hmm. Ever the optimist. And then we hear Hannah on the phone. It's her voicemail. She says, hey, it's Hannah. Leave a message. And Caleb just shakes his head and hangs up. And Mona says, let's just call the cops, okay? Tell them everything you just told us about Jenna and Noel. Interesting. What do you think about Mona, of all people, being the one advocating going to the police? Well, she does that, and then she immediately bounces. Mm-hmm. Like, She's leave like, me out of it. You should call the cops. By the way, I'm going to leave. Totally leave me out of it. I just want to watch my little chess pieces dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Emily's like, uh, uh, and Sarah Harvey. None of us believes that was an accident. Simona gets her purse because she doesn't give a shit about Sarah Harvey. And she's like, I'm heading to Riley. Maybe Jenna will lead us to Noel. So she's gone. The others look around. They really have no choice. And so finally Spencer's like, do we call Fury or 911? So she goes around the island to get her phone. And Arya's hot on her heels. And she's just like, Noel's out there somewhere. And he might have Hannah. And well, so I feel like, like that was the, like, don't call your fucking half-boyfriend, Spencer. <laughs> well, but I, I feel like either one would have gotten, you know, the task accomplished. But Spencer's like, okay, point taken. And she dials those three digits, turns the face to camera, rings for only a second. And then we hear the 911 operator say, 911, what is your emergency? And Spencer says, I think my friend's been abducted. Oh, shit. Is that really an emergency? Like, is it happening right now? I guess it's probably the easiest way to mobilize emergency services. I guess. Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess like maybe you would have had to explain a little bit to like Detective Fury about this. But I feel like he would have gotten the same. I don't know. He probably could have marshaled some forces too. Yeah. Anyway. If he couldn't, then he shouldn't be a cop. Yeah. Well, some cards are coming on the table now. Yeah. They, they should, if they're careful, they should be able to avoid the Rick business. But now they've got... The Jenna and Noel situation. Um, I guess they don't tell them about AD though. It's just, just the dollhouse stuff. Uh, would really be a big help if they had that flash drive right now. Sure would. Hmm. Sure. Would. So we're gonna cut to Hannah. She's holding up Noel Khan's head by his hair, <laughs> and she rips some duct tape off of his mouth. Just tears it right off. She's in her murder lair, and she's like, "Wake up, bitch." And she kind of lets go of Noel's hair and his head just like slumps forward like he's out cold. He might have brain damage. (laughs) Uh, He's tied up in a chair and opposite of that chair is Hannah's camera on a tripod on the table there. And she's just like hovering over him like very physical, like like badass, like looming from her, you know. Mm. Uh, She kind of like pushes him hard and he just kind of like shakes around. He's still out of it. So she goes over to her camera tripod opens up the little viewfinder, hits, make sure it's on, hits records, pointed right at Noel, like framing him all tied up here. And then she pulls this big-ass fucking knife out of its sheath. It's just like, shing. And she's eyeing that knife. She's eyeing her own reflection in that steel blade. It's a great horror movie, like poster visual. Hannah's gone a little nuts. Mm-hmm. And then she starts kind of recalling her own screams and pounding on the doors of that torture barn from 701 again. We're getting... Brief flashbacks to like her trauma once more, you know, in that tank top in the barn. Please, please open the door. You can't leave me in here. I'm begging you, please. 
Uh, she's pounding. She just kind of collapses down onto the floor, mouth's all bloody. She's crying in full despair. And we come back to the murder lair. And it's just reliving that little memory. And she finally looks away from the knife to Noel in his chair. And it's like she's she's made a decision. She's resolute. She walks right over to him. She says, this is your chance to tell me the truth. And his head maybe moves a little, but he still seems pretty out of it. <laughs> and it's just like, just admit it. Admit your AD. And like he just moans. <laughs> like mm. I think he might be brain damaged. <laughs> so he like hits him again on the shoulder like hard. And he just like kind of groans a little. <laughs> and Hannah's just disgusted with this. Yeah. It's like you probably gave this dude a severe concussion, Hannah. I'm just saying. Yes. Uh, so we cut to the camera viewfinder. We're kind of capturing Hannah, standing over Noel, the knife, like she's about to execute him. Mm. And she's like, fine, we'll do it my way. What did you think she was going to do at this point? I thought, like, take take that theory that Caleb will get, like, ball cancer. <laughs> like, Hannah's just going to, like, mail <laughs> Theon's dick to uh, Jenna or something crazy. No, I, I don't know. I don't think I sh- she was going to go straight to murder or anything. But I just I love the fucking transition of uh, uh, the reversal of like here is the woman in power over the this aggressor, this trafficker in human flesh or whatever. Um, I was just like, this is badass Hannah, and I don't know what could happen because you know once you're nothing, you could be everything. Um, well, you know, say before this episode, I would have thought. Hannah mailing somebody or Hannah mailing Jenna Nolcon's dick. That would never happen. But after this episode, I don't know. Hashtag Nolcon's dick. Mm-hmm. Falls deep undercover. Um, yeah, it's it was fascinating. Um, so, yeah, for a moment there, we'll do a profile. And she's like holding the knife blade against the side of his neck. It looks like she's going to cut his cheek. For a well, second, I thought she did. She's got his hair in her hand and she's kind of like exposing his jugular. Yeah. Like she's about to slit his fucking throat or something. Yeah. Um, and this is her way. Get him stuck. <laughs> yeah. No, but so uh, then she like lets his head fall forward again. You know, just we're not admiring his like just unconscious distress profile. We hear this like wet sound of stabbing. Well, I think she was trying to like intimidate him one last time. Like, are you really unconscious? Yeah. I'm going to pretend like I'm about to slit your throat and he still doesn't react. Yeah. Uh, then we pan down to like Noel's like left thigh, which uh, has a fresh bloody stab wound in it, just above the knee. We see Hannah like pulling the knife back, which is like dripping blood. We see those little blood droplets falling onto the tarp that like Noel in the chair on top of. And then we see Hannah just like holding up that bloody knife, inspecting the red all over the shiny blade. And it's like it's a whole lot dark and more than a little bit sexy. Well, she's got like the Dexter plastic sheeting covering the floor. Yeah. She's staring at this bloody knife, just dispassionate, like a total psycho. Yeah. And then we cut to black. I mean, Hannah's gone full Jack Bauer with the side of Rooney Mara and side effects. Would you say that she's our resident girl gone rogue? I guess. I don't know what that means, but yeah. But I was like, I'm bringing it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the credits, as well, it be- should be. Before we get to that, okay. I, I feel like they were really hyping like smart Hannah these actions don't seem very intelligently motivated to me. Well, in a way, they're all reactions, though. You know well, I, I mean? feel so. like Hannah has maybe cracked a little bit and crossed the line. Mm-hmm. This, this, these are not like Mona chess moves here. These are not even Spencer moves. I don't know that her her plans were the smartest, and they certainly didn't, you know, plan out like she was hoping in uh, the previous. No. Episode. So I don't think that like Hannah's brains was something that needed to be proved 
but I don't think it was proved the way a lot of people uh, touted on the internet. The yeah, time. I don't know. It's just weird reading tweets from last episode where it was like, see, she's the smart one. And it's like, I don't know if this episode's really the best one to prove that. It was like, I think Hannah could do better than this. I think mm-hmm. she's just so blinded by this inconsolable rage and despair. Well, I mean, this is more like, like you know, Charles Bronson death wish mode than like cool calculated, you know, like uh, a plan to to roll Nolan up or anything. I like that. would love the fuck out of an Ashley Benson death wish movie. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, I think Eli Roth is remaking that movie, so mm-hmm. it's gonna be garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the credits. Guess who's the Shusher this week? It's the Shusher. The Hammer, as was foretold. She always gets the finales. Mm-hmm. And then we're back in the Hastings kitchen. It's now a hub of buzzing activity because there are cops everywhere. Liars are all gathered around the island just like watching these various like forensics guys do their shit. Like one of them packs up their case. There's a female officer who seems like she might be trying to get Emily and Spencer's statements there. At the same time. Good luck with that. Yeah. Caleb's over on his phone in the doorway in the background. And we kind of pan across the room. We see... All these more, more, even more cops uh, just roaming around. I don't know what they're doing exactly. Like they're all, what are they getting evidence of? I'm not quite sure. But I um, can only assume that they're going to get like maybe the the various liars' fingerprints to to uh, disqualify them sure. from anything they might search. Yeah. Like, what is this? Like the 15th time Rosewood PD? Yeah, like, I think you had that done shit the on evidence file. run. <laughs> yeah, I think. So like what. Detective Marco's going to be like, I want you to like protect these girls around the clock. And the cops are like, this old formation? Fuck. <laughs> we just did this like three episodes ago. I know. But yeah, Marco Fury there, he's barking orders at that uh, bald cop with the glasses. And this cop, he's holding Spencer's laptop in an evidence bag, which I, I hope she was able to clear her browser history there. That's kind of a, that's, that's a blow to their operation. I'd be like, hey, I, I need my laptop. Oh, and just in general, Spencer being Spencer, all this evidence will get, find its way to Marco Fury's desk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you Facebook stalk everyone. <laughs> um, Thought you but, knew, bro. Yeah, so he's just he says to this cop who doesn't have a name, I want an update as soon as I get in the Cons Lake House. And I want Meredrick found and brought in for questioning. This guy makes a scowl face. Well, this guy nods like, yeah, that'll happen. Maybe his last name should just be Scowl. Hmm. that's kind of a weird name oh uh, yeah so he takes his marching orders marches off with them and Spencer's laptop and then once he's gone <clears throat> officer Toby comes over to confer of detective Marco in uniform says, yeah my stepsister hasn't left the Radley since yesterday morning we verified her story with hotel security and Marco's like we'll keep a tail on her though I'm not sure how much of a threat a blind girl can be and Toby's just like disapproving head shake <laughs> with like a thousand yard stare he's like you haven't meant jenna <laughs> what is she gonna try to do kiss me to death <laughs> yeah. well this doesn't seem to phase marco at all like it's a dangerous thing to underestimate the jenna thing mm-hmm. yeah Ted marco's like look i was hoping to buy you a beer after your shift but kind of looks around he's like doesn't look like it's gonna happen well today doesn't have to be my last day i i can toby I know that you and Spencer are old friends, <laughs> but I promise you, nothing's going to happen to these women on my watch. That's kind of hard for Toby to hear. He looks past Marco at Spencer over in the kitchen. Spencer's just kind of watching everything with a measured calm. And then another cop's like, excuse me, Detective Fury. 
Marco kind of looks over and nods at someone and just extends a hand to Toby. He says, I don't see you later. And they kind of have a firm, manly handshake there. Thus passes the bro responsibilities of watching the liars from Toby to Marco. Yeah. And he's like, thank you for your service. You can go now. <laughs> uh, so he walks off and Toby has one last glance over at Spencer and they turns away too. I mean, Toby is literally hours from retirement, guys. You all know what that means. Yeah. 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 And then Caleb hurries back into the kitchen, just got off the phone. He's like, guys, it was Mona. The cops questioned Jenna. It's like, no shit. We just heard Toby say that like 30 seconds ago. (laughs) But I don't know why that line is there. Uh, Or he's like, did did they arrest her? Caleb, he's smiling, like really pleased himself. He's like, no, she's still at Radley. And Arya does a classic eye narrow at this. Because he's, he's excited. Yeah. And Arya doesn't care for that at all. Yeah. Yeah, so Allison throws in, you say that like it's a good thing. And he's like, yeah, she can't leave us to know if she's locked up. And Allison's like, hmm. So Caleb like holds up his phone and informs his boss, Spencer, I'm going to meet up with Mona. And Emily, you know, standing in for Spencer is like, call us if you hear anything. And Caleb's like already dialing and walking out towards the front door. But like I think Caleb's line is in there because Caleb has a certain set of skills. Like, what the hell else is he going to do in this scene other than, like, something with a phone? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not going to be hacking. He's lost privileges to, like, come up and just, like, rub Spencer's hand sensually. Um, so, meanwhile, like, Tech Marco is finishing up his conversation with one of the CSI guys. Spencer sees this, goes over to him. And she's like, hey, um, I'm sorry that I lied to you last night. I should have told you about Noel. I was just scared. And he's like, you don't have to apologize, Spencer. I did my homework on you right after we met. That's yeah. why I know you're a fucking liar. Yeah. I'm into it. It's like I read about Charlotte and the bunker. And now to find out that Noel was helping her keep you down there, I got an APB out on Con and I'm bringing him in. We're going to find Hannah today. And so she's like, she's, I think she's really touched by his assurances and predictions that are 100% not going to happen on this show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's but like, he oh. sells it in a way that like, Toby didn't. Yeah, I guess. She's like, thank you. And then kind of thinks and pauses for a moment and just darts right in and kisses him on the cheek. And he's kind of a little embarrassed. And he like looks to the side and like, oh, did anyone see that? Oh, yeah, they totally saw it. Like <laughs> Allie, Emily, Arya, they saw that. They're sending like massive eye chatter to each other like now. Like, mm. mm-hmm. in the message board. Mm-hmm. Eye chatter message board. Spencer kind of covers her mouth. Maybe at first more in surprise and embarrassment. It's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Did I just do that? And he's downright bashful here. He's kind of smiling, look around. He's like, yeah, it's okay. And now she's like really mortified, and I think he's enjoying it. Like it's it's kind of adorable. And he's like, just don't let it happen again. So she looks over, maybe taken aback by what maybe sounds like dismissiveness at first. And he's like, at least not here. And he <laughs> smiles a little flirtatious as she watches him, picking up on that. Yeah, I mean gonna shock you guys spencer's a little impulsive (laughs) (laughs) oh and she kind of lowers her hand for her mouth now there's like just a faint curl of a smile there um it's a cute moment i feel like this is a big change up from their first meeting yeah like that was all spencer like fatalistic sex drive and now this is like rebooted into a leisurely rom-com you know while they're searching for their missing Mm -hmm. friend (laughs) spencer's like I'm just going to start making out with you in front of all your coworkers <laughs> and my friends. Oh, that was weird. It's so, like the fifth time this has happened to me yeah. in my life. The other liars have had enough of this. Arya has got the remote. Arya is really working the remote this episode. 
She's like, what's on TV? Mm-hmm. She turns up the volume on that TV in the Hastings kitchen that only plays news reports during season finales. And on screen, you see photos of Hannah and Nolcon side by side. And there's a little Chiron down at the bottom about contacting the cops with info. And TV newswoman, we hear her saying, the police are looking for Hannah Merritt again. <laughs> Any information regarding her whereabouts should be directed to the Rosewood Police Department. Hannah Merritt, blonde, blue-eyed, 23 years old, has not been seen since Thursday. Would they say it like that? Maybe. Well, I mean, it's the news. Yeah. They love an attractive blonde white girl. <laughs> yeah, they're really like selling her features. Like, I'm surprised they didn't like give out her her measurements. <laughs> Here's what she was last wearing. Here's how good she looks in that outfit. Uh, yeah, so this is where like Spencer and Detective Marco like walk over, catch us, hit Spencer hard. She turns to Marco, and she's like, "I'm gonna go call Hannah's mom. She's at a conference in London. I just." I don't know where she's staying. Spencer walks off to do that. Ashley's been at a hotel conference for like a month. Yeah. Nice gig. Well, maybe maybe she took the celebration cruise <laughs> to England. Yeah. Also, uh, London? Hmm? Mm. Anything there? Hmm. Ren? That would be a wild hookup. Did you see that stuff about Ren in that interview with Charlie Craig? No. What's the Ren stuff? Uh, I mean, it's spoiler-ish, so I don't, I don't know if we should go into it, but... I read that his first scene is with Ezra. It was basically like, oh, Ren's going to be related to this thing, and it's like, wow, why did you tell us that? <laughs> wow, but, okay. Yeah. Huh. yeah, so the news continues with uh, friends and family first contacted the police after Marin stopped answering her cell phone and failed to return to her home. Um, I don't even, even know it's been like 24 hours, but... but I think when you see Marco there, he... He maybe tenses up a little. Like he's starting to realize, like, whoa, this is getting big. This shit's on TV. Yeah. yeah. Oh crap! I'm really gonna have to do my job here. Although I'm amazed that like the TV like news stations don't have special graphics just for the liars. Seriously, this is oh. So here's here's one of those things. So like uh, in the original Scream movie, because there's gonna be some Wes Craven references here. Mm-hmm. You know, but like in the original Scream movie. I think that the depiction of the media was very interesting. It's very timely. It's probably possibly still more modern than modern. Um, you had that one moment in, I think, at the end of season five, where, did, where reporter Sarah Shepard like, comments yeah, on the yeah. House dealer at this trial. And I feel like, okay, yeah, that, that's re- realistic. But, like, shouldn't that be an ongoing thing? Like, wouldn't the news, wouldn't somebody from, like, time be like, these camped girls out. <laughs> in this small town are in the news like every six months at the, I mean, at, at the least. I guess I'm glad that it's not like that because that would get tiresome. I, I like the fantasy world the liars live in where the news media only shows up to provide exposition. Like or if they were news. having to, if they're having to dodge like, you know, press all the time, that's just, no, nobody wants that. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, or cameos. It's mm-hmm. just, but it's just weird once you you introduce that Sarah Shepard scene to like catch us up with stuff <laughs> that we already know. Yeah. Um, so we cut to like the hallway of like a fancy lab or like a lobby or something. Can't quite make out the name of the lab. We see Hannah's there holding a little vial of blood. She's dealing V now. Um, there's an asshole guy like in a white lab coat there, and he's this just is like, her, this is her fucking plan, a DNA yeah. test. Like there are easier ways to get someone to see DNA, Hannah. Even the uh, yeah, 
But even the torture thing seemed to me like it would get more information. Anyway, so he's like, so what's the rush, if you don't mind me asking? Trying to prove someone's your baby daddy? And she's <laughs> like, such an ass. something like that. She's so too she, busy to even like care about his casual sexism. Yeah, so she hands him the dude like an envelope of cash. He's like flips through, like noting on the C notes. But see, this is what gets me though. This guy and the guy selling roofies in the park last episode. It's like Gone Girl Hannah just encounters the shittiest dudes. Yeah. Well, those weren't C notes. Those are only twenty. So. Oh, they're twenty. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know where she's getting all this cash though. There's like petty cash from Lucas. <laughs> she found his petty cash. What? If, what if she just sold one of his collectibles? Yeah, like you don't need this Batman toy. It's lame. That would be such a great like callback to him, like uh, uh, losing all of Caleb's <laughs> money. Shit, yeah, yeah, that'd be wonderful. Uh, um, I would love that once Lucas made his first million and bought a place in Hong Kong. That's when Caleb's just like, "Time to call in your debts with interest." <laughs> yeah, so this lab maybe guy. That's how, maybe that's how Caleb got stuck. Mm, could be. He's like. You owe me, motherfucker. With interest. Also, I do not. Lunch. <laughs> the lab guy says, I can get your results by tomorrow, which is pretty fast. Uh, so he pockets that money. He walks off to get started. And then we see behind them, a TV is showing a news report with Hannah's face all over it. I was kind of wondering, like, does Hannah know there's an APB out on her yet? Because she's just walking around out in the open. Uh, she certainly does now. Pretty ballsy. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like she had to have noticed that earlier in the conversation but she kept her cool and now that she's alone she's making some major hannah face like i don't i don't know that she did i think she was just so focused on the task at hand that this is where mm-hmm. it hits her i don't know I, I i'm gonna give her at least a little credit anyway she's got to get out of here and as soon as she turns around she stops short because there's a security guard with a buzz cut just standing at the door just kind of watching her and she very quickly just kind of gulps and just keeps going right past he, he watches her go out but he doesn't do anything yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a lack of giving her credit. I just don't think that Hannah's situational awareness is is tied in right now. She's so focused on this Isn't crazy that kind of not giving her credit. She's so focused on this like crazy fucking mission. No, it's not. You're you're actually giving her not credit by saying that I'm not giving her credit. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll give Hannah credit for all that shoplifting she did. It just paid off. She really knows how to just power right past those ominous authority figures. You know. Own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe the guy was like distracted because he couldn't tell if it was her or not because her measurements weren't included in the news report. <laughs> yeah, so back to the Radley. Kind of peek around a pillar and, oh, there's the Jenna thing. She's sitting in an armchair over an alcove in the corner. She looks frustrated. She's on the phone. She's wearing one of Arya's cheetah print blouses. And we can kind of hear her in the distance. She's saying, I'm telling you, Noel, the cops are all over me. Then we cut to Mona. Mona's got a little earbud in her ear running to her laptop. She has blue snarf Jenna. She's tapped into the conversation. And Janet, we hear Jenna like over the Bluetooth say, uh, they think you have Hannah, do you? And Mona kind of like, you know, focuses more intently. Uh, it sounds like Jenna doesn't really know. Uh, and Jenna says, just call me, okay? And so she hangs up and then Caleb comes over, sits next to Mona on the couch there, very casual. He's like, hey. Mona says, Jenna's left three messages for Noel since I've been here. She doesn't know where he is. There's studying Jenna across the lobby. Yeah, and so he says, uh, so did Noel double cross her or did Hannah get him get to him first? Mm. Yeah. The the old Aria shirt reminds me of the 
I believe it's the exact shirt that Arya wears in the scene of No. I want to say season one, where she's like, "If you care about me, No, you won't say fucking shit about Ezra." <laughs> Classic Arya. Yeah. Well, they're just studying Jenna. Like they're just not sure what is her deal. Jenna's sitting very stiffly, uh, like a tightly wound spring. I feel like at the end of the scene, I, I think she's nervous. Which is a rare look from Jenna. Yeah, I mean, she's a little bit Terminator-ish in a way. Um, well, a she's like that already features prominent Mary Drake. She's taking deep breaths here. I feel like she she's not on her full game right now. You know, this yeah. was unexpected. But also, maybe not a conversation to have over voicemail in the lobby of a busy hotel. Sure. Uh, at Spencer's barn. There's Arya on the couch, like talking to Ezra via Skype slash FaceTime or something on her laptop tablet thing. Outside, we see a uniformed police officer standing guard. So Ezra, like, is looks like in an airport or something on his end of the conversation. He's like, they sent out a final search crew, but I think that's mainly to appease the people that came down here hoping. Like, well, he does me. it in that, like, classic Ezra delivery. He's like, I think that's mainly to appease the people who came down here hoping like me. He has, yeah, he has <laughs> such a great like lingering on certain things. I, de- I don't understand. Or it's like, I don't know why he's lingering on those words. Yeah. It's like, what, it's like, he's like, what do I goddamn do when I can't use my hands? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we see his, yeah, like I said, he's, in well, the he's got the, he's got the bags under his eyes. He's got the facial stubble growing out. Some he's got to let have real problems. Are you got to let the whole world know he's got real problems. His storyline reminded me there's like an old uh, – uh, oh, what's his fucking name? I'll get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Arya is like, Ezra, I'm sorry. And they're both kind of like fumbling through this conversation after like stewing over a lot of emotions. And he's like, I get why you deleted the call. No one should have to mourn someone twice. Isn't it amazing the way Ezra finds a way to make it about him even when it already was about him? Yeah. No one should have to mourn someone twice. You're talking about yourself. Like, it's just such a weird way to phrase it. I I feel like if he actually had gotten on this flight, um, he would have had notes for a novel about his situation here. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I got the sequel, Arya. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so Arya says, so I'll pick you up from the airport. We can go to that diner you like, the place with the sugar cream pie. How could Ezra ever turn down Arya's pie? And yet he does. He's like, that's okay. I can take a cab. And Arya's like, how the fuck should I interpret that? Yeah. And he's like, but if you don't have any plans, I'd really like it if you're there when I got home. And he, he basically says it just like that. He basically says, we need to talk. Yeah. And she nods. Like, she's trying to be sympathetic. She's totally baffled. Uh, it's like, don't pick me up, but be there when I get home. This is my weird power move. <laughs> the move. Sorry, the movie I was thinking of is Missing. It's a Costa Gavras movie starring Jack Lemmon and Sissy Spacek. And I just realized it also featured Melanie Mayron. Hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so we cut back to Hannah's murder suite. Oh, no, at the end oh, of that scene, Arya says, I'll see you tonight then. He's like, I love you. And Arya's very pleased to hear it. She's like, I love you too. And then she clicks off the call. Oh, Arya. You're just yeah, a ticking she, time bomb. Yeah, she's just being like lured into a trap. Mm-hmm. The, the trap she set for someone else caught her leg instead um so cut to hannah's murder suite she's like strutting along listening to the police scanner now woman on radio is like oh, hannah Marin. Hmm. just can I interject real quick i just noticed this we only see ezra on video in this whole episode not gonna complain yeah well he's got kind of the even though you do see him he's got kind of the finale-esque toby role where he mm-hmm. just disappears 
Um, so woman on radio is like Hannah Marin, white female, blonde, mid twenties, is now considered a missing person. Thirty six, twenty four, thirty six. by one no con, white male, also mid twenties. He should be considered dangerous and possibly armed. Also very sexy. They're both very sexy. Um, it's a nice shot because we see Hannah and she's mentioned in the scanner, and then we see Noel as he's mentioned in the scanner, like the exact reversal of the story out there. You know who's got who, who's armed and dangerous. Uh, he's still out of it, head slumped down. Again, they must just love that there's like a missing white girl story out there. Uh, that big-ass knife is still on the table, but Hannah picks up her phone, which is right next to it, and she calls someone, and she says into the phone, I need your help, and I need you to come alone. Well, it's like Hannah, I think, has finally accepted that she's in over her head Yeah. as we go to commercial. And when we come back, see Nolcon's still out of it. He's rocking back and forth, kind of breathing hard. Mm-hmm. And Hannah shuts the door, and she's walking over to someone, and she says, Sorry to rope you in like this. When I saw the news, I didn't know who else to call. Who is she talking to? It's Mona, of course. Who else course. would you call? Should have been your first call. Mona has arrived much like the wolf in Pulp Fiction. Like She's going to clean up this situation. If I am Kurt with you. <laughs> she's on her knees. She's like inspecting a bandage on Noel's leg. Um, you're wondering who dressed this wound. I feel like if Hannah dressed it, Noel Khan probably has gangrene right now. Yeah. Which would explain a lot. Well, like, have they taken him to the bathroom to, like, do his business? It's no, no, been almost a day. He's totally sitting in there. Yeah. Uh, Mona says, well, next time call me before you abduct someone and go on the run. It just makes my life a little easier. <laughs> I love that. She's like her flustered look there. I mean, really, Hannah, like, Mona should be your ride or die for all murder kidnappings. Well, and she's, you know, she's she's got jokes, but she's mm-hmm. still pretty cool under fire here. <laughs> Like, I feel like there's a business card or, like, a, a number you call with no voicemail and you leave a message or something. And, and Mona does this service. It's like how she put herself through college. Um, well, you got to, like, call the, uh, you know, like, the weird service and, like, order something oblique that's actually, you know, like a the, code uh, for something else. Yeah. The vegetarian burger, the toaster yeah. burger. Well, it's just, I gave you my number. Yeah. Um, well, meanwhile, Nolcon just groans some more as Hannah's watching him. Nolcon, I, I got to give it up to Brant Doherty. Like, I want to say he might have had like 15 lines in his entire like comeback here, yeah. like over all these episodes, but he just brings the intensity. Well, he's, he's a lot like Jenna. His presence alone gives mm-hmm. you so much in the story. Well, and it, it really seems like he's like unleashed in this last season. Like he 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 just feels dangerous now. Mm-hmm. Well, like he's not holding back anymore. And I don't think we ever really knew this character, um, as he will later tell us in the episode. We never understood like, him. It's like what what he's become though is mm-hmm. so interesting. How he's been shaped, and I think you know. I mean, I think I'm sure we're going to talk about Jacob's article and how how greatly he marks these two. But yeah, so. Mona kind of watches the groaning no con here, and uh, she's like, when do you get the test results? And Hannah's like, not till tomorrow. So Mona like nods, taking us all in. On the police scanner, there's some interesting radio chatter, and Mona starts like, it starts to look like she's like caressing Noel's thighs. She's patting him down. And Hannah's like, what are you doing? And Mona starts like feeling down one of Noel's legs, and then she gets to his boot, and in the back of it, she finds that flash drive. And she's like, looking for this. Well, so, she, she holds it up triumphant. She's very pleased with herself, and Hannah's just like, what is that? Yeah. And Mona's like, you seriously haven't spoken to anyone? Well, that I feel like that should have also made Mona a little pleased. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You didn't call Spencer, you called me? I guess, yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And I was like, well, I've kind of had my hands full. 
Hands full of Null Khan. <laughs> and Mona says, there is footage on here that proves Null was working with Charlotte. He was part of the dollhouse. And it's like, what? And Mona's like, I was worried he destroyed it, but clearly he knocked him out before he had the chance. Uh, look, Hannah, you don't need the test results. This is more than enough to put Null behind bars. No shit. And Hannah's just like, no. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I kind of get the craziness. I mean, from her perspective, it's nuts. But This I video understand. puts Noel behind bars. Mona's just like, what do you mean no? Well, it's, it's a little bit selfish in a sense. Well, so Hannah's like... It's, busting it's the idiot ball. I mean, let's be real here. Yeah, Hannah's like busting Noel for the dollhouse, like busting a mob boss for tax evasion. It's settling. And that's I'm not that's actually, Hannah, exactly how they busted Al Capone. That's yeah. how you do it. Yeah. But it's the analogy does not quite work out. <laughs> no. It's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a very serious fucking set of crimes. But Mona's like, but Hannah, you can't get any worse than the dollhouse. And Hannah's like, I have scars on my back that say different. And I want Mona to be like, I have scars on my soul. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, different. You can tell that makes Mona feel bad because it's it's hard to argue with like a righteous claim of abuse, but like, come on, Hannah. Well, it's 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 denying all of her friends mm-hmm. equal, not equal, but also their claims of abuse, which she should understand. Well, it's just most common of their, sense. But I mean, Mona's was you know an even more serious internment in that place, or was it? Yeah, it was club fucking med for Mona. No. We'll you think she was in, you're involved. I understand. Yeah. We'll um, get to so, it later. And it's like, I want Noel to be held accountable for everything he did. I'm going to prove he's AD. I need to. You can they, prove that while he's in jail, Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no need to wait for test results. That's like the least important piece of evidence here. Yeah. Um, they both look. I'm, I'm glad that she found a loophole in the complicated like DNA, DNA process and how long mm-hmm. it takes to get your DNA results. You just give the guy an envelope of cash. It's like the Mexican legal system. Uh, so they both look over the unconscious man tied in the chair in Aram, and woman on the radio comes on with blonde female, early 20s, blue eyes, 5'7", really good looking. And Mona looks at Hannah, and they know this is serious now, and Hannah's like, please, help me. I just need to stay hidden for 10 more hours. And Mona's like, that's the last thing you're going to do. Then we kind of end up this musical cue letting us know that Mona has a plan, we're just not going to hear it. But uh, I thought to myself, God, I would love to see these two just act out all the scenes from Death and the Maiden. <laughs> with no contact room. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile at yeah. the Hastings house Paige has arrived she brought coffee bagels and thirst <laughs> there's a few cops standing around it's Paige, some baggage Paige very eagerly greets Emily yeah. uh, and Emily's just like thanks Paige and Paige is like I'll stay as long as you'd like no shit and Emily just kind of leaves Paige standing there and walks back over with the bagels to her friends at the island. They're kind of like a base camp at this kitchen island here. Well, Good. poor Paige, who's like really trying to to own the uh, the vibe of the room. But it's mm-hmm. like over on base camp island, it's like you still can't sit with us. <laughs> I know. Oh, Paige. Uh, so Emily just comes over. Like Emily doesn't seem to give a shit. She's just like here and she like passes off uh, one of those empty coffee cups of Spencer. Spencer runs on coffee and, you know, sexual heat. And Spencer's like, thanks. And he's like, there's uh, some breakfast stuff in here if you're hungry. She's got, like, this big pastry box. Allie's not interested in breakfast because she is busy giving Paige maximum stink eye from across the room. 
Maybe see Paige is like chatting up some cops, like offering them coffee. And this display of like chivalrous, like cloying do-goodery just sickens Queen Allie here. She's like, I couldn't be more nauseated. Oh, bitchy Allie is back. And she kind of looks at the pastry box with disdain and suspense just like moves it away. <laughs> like that. Don't don't blast your hate at our breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Allison's like, how much longer are we going to be penned up in here like veal? And I was like, Fury says that we can't leave until they find Noel. And Allison's like, well, it's hard enough going through this without being gawked at. <laughs> well, she's scowling. So Emily kind of follows her gauge. And it's like, cut to Paige looking back their way, like grimacing and turning away. Like, this is getting spicy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you should probably separate these three. <laughs> Technically, all of this still in earshot. <laughs> and Emmy's like, you mean Paige? And Paige, like, you know, she got that glance over. And Emmy's like, I invited her. And Allison's like, why? She has nothing to do with this. And Emmy's like, she's here to support us. Don't forget, she was targeted by A when, and Allie's like, fine. I just think it's a little pathetic that she's using us to get close to you. And Emily just kind of rolls her eyes like she's trying to play it off. And... Holly's like, doesn't she know you're dating someone? And he's like, yeah, well, things with Sabrina are kind of on pause. And then I just have to interject and say, does Sabrina know that? Nope. <laughs> Sabrina's like, we are? Because uh, Emily's been employing the rift on poor Sabrina. <laughs> yeah, Where do they get the pastries from? Did they go to the brew? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that's, that's, that's awkward. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know Paige rubbed it in, too. Yeah. I'm going to take these over to Emily bitch yeah and um, Emily's just like I can't talk to her about that you know can't talk to Sabrina about this Asian right. and Ali's like Em it's all over the news which is true yeah and also I think a little bit of a subtle game here like Ali's building up the, the weakest contestant here to pit against Paige it's glorious well yeah let the two of them fight it out mm-hmm. and Allison will come in and seduce what's left yeah Um, but I love Emily's reaction and I know I'll have to deal with it, okay? But it's easier of pay. She's been through this before. She understands it. And me. You remember when Emily had no girlfriends and now she has all the girlfriends? The it's most like romantic season. Vicious, like mean fighting. Yes. <laughs> Underhanded tactics. This is, yeah, I mean, Emily's love life is the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And it is. Well, and weirdly, Emily seems not entirely like caring about any of it. It's like she's trying to be nice, but she doesn't seem super invested. No, I mean. It's like, yeah, me and Sabrina are on pause. Yeah, it's nice that you brought me coffee, Paige. I'm just going to turn around and walk away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I said, it's 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 romantic Hunger Games. And somehow right now, Allison is both like Gail and President Snow. <laughs> Ooh. Um, yeah. But so who's PETA? Just, Shouldn't she be PETA? I think Paige is PETA. Mm, mm, you're gonna get in trouble this whole episode is just stirring the fucking pot of this it show. is i mean like i have to assume that i'm marlon king and mike Olson are just having some fun with this particular ship because ship because otherwise i don't know how, what they're doing here um but yeah so just then spencer and rosa are coming back she's put the contents of the pastry box onto a platter which is so hastings um <laughs> she's now pointing out some commotion on the other side of the room and she's like guys looks like something's happening see a a cluster of cops uh, talking, including the the bespectacled cold cop, Detective Marcos on the. Phone. I love how you keep including that word that you can never pronounce in your notes. Bespectacled. 
Well, because I keep typing, and I know it's going to trip me up, so I try to avoid all of it. Bald, black, bespectacled cop. And then I think, should it be black, bald, bespectacled cop? Does it matter that he's black? Why don't you say that, that cop with the glasses? Cop with the glasses? I just want to give him a name. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to workshop that. Yeah, so Detective Marco's on the phone. And Hannah. it says, maybe they found Hannah. Yeah. And she goes over to see what's up. Paige just quickly sidles right up and puts a hand on Emily's shoulder. Yes. And Allie sneers at this totally transparent move. And she's like, ugh, I'm going to be sick. And then she takes off because she means it. Mm-hmm. And this really worries Spencer. But then she hears Marco talking. And Marco says, thank you for the update, Greg. And he says, let's go ahead and alert state troopers, too. He hangs up. And Emily and Paige are just waiting right there for a report. Paige is doing her best to just, like, snuggle up against Emily here. Yes. Who yes. Seems, Emily, who seems totally indifferent. Like, she doesn't even realize it's happening. It's like a standing cuddle. Mm-hmm. And oh. so Spencer kind of comes over to you. She's like, what's going on? Marco says, the officers who went to the Con Lake House found two sets of footprints. That's some serious uh, police work there. Yeah. Footprints. <laughs> there was a struggle. <laughs> Emily frowns and Paige is like looking over at Emily, like really concerned. And then as the scene ends, we kind of hear Hannah say over the cut, it looks bad. I know. Let me go back to the murder suite. Hannah is sincerely addressing someone like off camera here. Do you want this? Yeah, she's like, it looks bad, I know. But I wanted to prove to my friends and to all of you that Noel is the person who's been tormenting us. So I went to Hollybrook to find the girl he pushed down the stairs. So we see that she's delivering this story to Mona, who's like standing by Noel, like whose head still slumped forward. <laughs> like this, I don't know if this is like the most comfortable or like the most uncomfortable time for well, Brant Doherty. Like at this time, is he probably just pretending to be passed out? Yeah, I don't I don't know. He's just I listening mean, to this, listening to them make all their plans right in front of him. I would have loved if he like lifted his head and was just like, I wouldn't have framed it that way. <laughs> well um, I I don't know if this means anything, but Mona's standing next to Noel listening. She's got her hand on Noel's shoulder. Mm-hmm. Is it well, just well, resting there? What well, what's she she's doing hearing there? The story this particular time. She has his hand on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. So Hannah says, if I could get her to talk, we'd have a credible witness. Unfortunately, I couldn't track her down. I'm just so sorry that I worried everybody by disappearing like that. I wasn't thinking. So Mona steps forward, clapping of approval. She's impressed, maybe a little turned on. She's like, you've gotten really good at this. And Hannah's like, do you think the cops will buy it? And Mona's like, definitely. It's your friends you need to worry about. They're way harder to fool. <laughs> you would know. Yeah. Hannah's or, like rubbing the- or she's just buttering you up. Um, yeah. Mona's being so accommodating, either because Hannah's her BFF for life or she's running like the longest, most devious con of all time on them. Well, it's like Mona's starting to fall into that place where Allison was, where it's like you hope that this is all deception because otherwise you're worried about the utilization of the character. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Hannah's like rubbing her sides because, you know, this is stressful. And she's like, God, I hate lying to them. And Mona's like, you're doing them a favor by not getting them involved. And Hannah's like, thank you again, Mona. Are you sure you're able to handle, you know, meeting Noel? And Mona's like, don't worry. I got my end covered. Well, is it meeting Noel? I don't know. I don't know. but I Because Mona, I, after this, Mona doesn't seem to do anything related to Noel. So. Yeah, so Mona's like, don't worry. I got my end covered. So why don't you run it through me one more time? Um, well, and if, they're, if she's going to be watching over Noel, which she will not be doing, I thought it was going to turn into, like, Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Um, but Mona like takes takes her place beside the something over Nolcon again. I think she puts her hand back on his shoulder. Yeah. As Hannah starts over with, it looks bad. 
And so I'm like, is she doing like Morse code, like shoulder squeezes? Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, only only the like the no con spy craft would involve like slightly intimate touching. <laughs> um, That's his favorite kind of spy craft. <laughs> it's the only kind he practices, actually. Oh, no con. Yeah. So That's a treat. We're going to cut to Hannah. She's now in the Hastings living room. She's going to deliver that same speech all over again. She's talking to the liars and Detective Marco. And she says, I know. I'm just so sorry. I worried everybody by disappearing like that. I wasn't thinking. And then we cut to the liars, and their reactions are just hilariously not buying any of this bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Marco seems oblivious, though. Like, he doesn't realize all these eye rolls and, like, shade are just being deployed right next to him. <laughs> he's like, well, since we've opened an investigation, I'm going to have to have you write, sign a written statement. And it's just like, sure. And then he's like, and then the state's going to give you a bill. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, man. Where does the budget of the Rosewood PD go? See, the council's on my ass because seemingly our entire police budget goes to you five people. <laughs> yeah, so he kind of steps aside and Spencer says, Hannah, you should have called us. And Hannah's like, I know. I'm sorry again. And the rest of the liars basically just make like Michaela Maroney faces here. They're just like, mm. uh, then we hear the back door open. In walks Caleb Rivers. What's going on? Or guys, what's going on? Hannah looks back. Caleb is stunned to see her. And she just kind of weakly shrugs and smiles at him, trying to be casual. Hey, Caleb. And he just seems wordlessly so happy so stunned to see her alive and well well it's this like weird super pleased but somehow still stoic look yeah. in his face like his eyes dilate <laughs> like it's such a weird look it's like he's he's feeling it internally and spencer's just watching all this like she's studying human behavior in a lab experiment like she always does but you know mm-hmm. emily looks uncomfortable well emily's just watching spencer like uh oh yeah Uh-oh. like it's like, this is so awkward yeah. for me. <laughs> I know what this is like. I have three girlfriends. Hey, you know what I was thinking about? Do you remember how Nicole was uh, Emily's friend? Yeah, that's right. From it, from the Habitat for Humanity or whatever. And I was thinking, Emily, I don't, I don't a- think we got a single scene in the five years forward that directly acknowledged that Emily lost a friend too no no just acknowledging when she has to talk to ezra he's finishing his sandwich and she's just like here's why aria did this thing mm-hmm. well and, um, and emily was like yeah fuck nicole delete that call yeah yeah i mean i, I guess you could say it kind of makes sense that she was a little more involved in aria shit although they never really directly pointed out like by the way nicole was her friend too I wonder if, like, anyone involved with the show listening is like, finally, you fuckers <laughs> forgot. It was that subtle. Yeah. We work hard on this shit. You know what I'm talking about? Because um, it, it is kind of relevant to this episode. Do you remember when Toby and Emily were friends, too? <laughs> I remember. Like, the only times they've really talked when she's just like, fuck what Spencer wants. Fuck your engagement party. Look into this shit for me. <laughs> and then like a few weeks like earlier, like I was passed over for a promotion. You know, that was a good little scene of them. That was a great scene because I think it was like that's hey, like one of my favorite Toby scenes, I think. Well, because it's so real. Mm-hmm. It's it, like I think I don't know. I mean, 
I don't know that I'm really there to talk about Toby's character from start to end, but I almost kind of wish that Toby had like quit the force in the five years forward and just gone back to like construction. Like Toby is like a salt of the earth townie feels right to me. Well, and I don't know that him being a cop really bought us a whole lot of anything. No, because he's worthless. Um, I am a bad cop for real. Especially since it's like you had Lorenzo for five minutes. I, I'm going to just assume they brought in Roma Mafia because the other plans. Yeah, to swap them out, yeah. Um, and Because now I'm like, it's not that I dislike Detective Marco or his name, mm-hmm. but it's like, where's Tanner? I, I trust Tanner more of this shit. Well, this isn't Tanner's case, though. I don't know. It's also positive. Yeah, true, true. Well, but, I mean, you would think Tanner would be like, these bitches, I want this case. Yeah. I want but it back. I like how the cops, they bought Hannah's bullshit lies because they're Rosewood cops. Yeah. The liars, I think, they're just relieved Hannah's safe. They're a little pissed. And it's like, now Caleb's here, so there's no way they're getting the truth out of Hannah tonight. No. Like, that. It, that's over. It's just going to be like a, a swarthy reunited fuck fest. Yeah. But, uh, well, also, they keep re- repeating this, uh, this scandalous lie about Noel Khan pushing that girl down the stairs. Like it's logic. a fact. Um, yeah, literally. I, I saw a tweet from Joseph From Doherty Joseph Doherty. Where he like, said basically, yeah. this is the truth. This mm, is what happened. Mm, um, mm. The problem is that you never had to moment where Allison, like, Allison is always present. When someone talks about and never Hannah's mentions, dream, yeah, never says never, anything. Like, so much as nods and affirmation. <laughs> but uh, my 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 Toby point was, your video really reminded me of like Toby and Toto, like just like his whole his whole life on the show. <laughs> it's such a weird journey. Um, and it's like he becomes oh, more of a person when Keegan Allen cuts his hair and like hits the gym. Mm-hmm. His original Toby, and like you know what I've had burned in my memory of all of it is Toby that little dance in the hallway. See, to me, there's a brief shot of him talking to Spencer, where it's like he says something Snyder, and he just has the biggest, weirdest helmet of hair. It's like I can't stop looking at it. Toby's hair is quite possibly, and this is a, this is an amazing feat. This is a feat worthy of an Oscar, like a lifetime achievement Oscar. His hair is maybe more baffling than Donald Trump's. Like mm. what it means, what, what we're supposed to feel when it's in the room with us, what it's capable of, what it's past is. Um, damn, I had another point about Toby. I totally forgot what it was. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll have time to get to it. By the way, when we get to the end of this, I have like so many insane theories and asides. It, we're going to be talking for four hours. Um, so four hour podcast is the new three hour podcast? I, I just don't know. Also, just the null con thing. Okay. It's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. He pushed the girl downstairs. If we're going to take that as truth, yeah. didn't we also have Cece getting blamed for that? Uh, yeah, because of yeah, her. Maybe, you know. So you put those two items together, and now it's like, ooh, maybe this is a way for Charlotte to have leverage over Noel. Yeah. And, and a, a motive to use that leverage. Or it would seem like, you know, not talking too much about the ending, but it would seem like Charlotte and Noel could bond over past accusations and also the fact that they just like fucking of people. Well, I was thinking about the little video we got in the last episode of him going into the dollhouse mm-hmm. room to do that stuff to Spencer. And I think the way I was reading it last week was like, oh, Noel's evil. But then I was thinking about it. He looks at the camera beforehand, which makes me wonder, is he kind of being instructed to do this? I had the exact opposite journey as you okay. i i watched all of that and i thought 
I bet we're going to find out. I think I mentioned it last week. I, th- I, th- I bet we're going to find out he was coerced into doing this in some way. And at the end of this episode, I'm like, no, maybe Noel actually was really evil. Well, like, why would there be a video if not to use as blackmail? Well, just I think... <sighs> Wouldn't that be a classic A move? Like, A has a small amount of leverage on you for something else you did. Well, and so they get you to do this other thing, and now they have even more leverage on you. I think the implication there then for that theory to work would be that in those five folders, it's all video clips of Noel doing something repeatedly to each of the five girls. Or, or other people. Well, it maybe, but the folders were, you know, the four liars and Mona. No, I mean other people besides Oh, doing Noel. shit. So it's like a general blackmail folder. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. And that, that would be like Noel's copy and, you know, Charlotte or whoever else would have I the other think- copy. I think, I mean, spoiler for our spoiler theorizing discussion at the end, I think Mona is a strong, interesting candidate for being AD just based on her past the tactics as A. But I feel like to me, ultimately, though, it comes down to like one clear suspect. So we'll get to that. Uh, back in Hannah's murder suite, we hear the radio chatter as we pan over to Noel, who's like groaning, slowly waking up. I guess Mona's gone at this point, right? Yeah. Oh, I, no sign of Mona. Yeah. Was this part of the plan? I don't know. Noel yeah. Khan's starting to wake up. He's grunting. He kind of his eyes are open. He starts looking around. He's like becoming aware that he's tied up and gagged and he's getting pissed. Yeah. He's he's hulking out. We hear on the radio saying, All units, please be advised. Hannah Marin has been found alive and she's looking good. Uh, <laughs> and now Noel's getting really pissed. He's like growling under his duct tape gag. He's like straining with all his might at the ropes that keep him bound. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Mona? Did she fall down on the job? I mean, I I don't think him getting away is part of the plan for sure. Well, it's it's such an interesting thing. Like, I mean, okay, first of all, waking up bound and gagged. Mm-hmm. That's a party. <laughs> oh, consciously. Not again. <laughs> oh, after Vegas, I swore I would never do this again. But like <laughs> to then hear on the police scanner that like the person who most likely did this to you it's alive and well and like in the the auspices of of accepted society (laughs) therefore you're a monster yeah um so after the commercial we get a close-up on the jenna thing applying her lipstick and a mirrored surface in the rally's elevator like nice callback to uh uh is it sean's mom's building the dentist office yeah yeah with the same episode episode Making a cake. Exactly. Yeah, she's in the Radley elevator using the kind of mirror door there. Even though she's blind, she's still she's using it for her makeup. Services. Yeah. Elevator like I door. Do, I only do this in elevators. <laughs> the elevator door dings and slides open, and that kind of reflection of Jenna thing gives way to Mona, who's like way shorter. Uh, <laughs> and Mona's like still rocking that jungle red. Which. The like split down the middle and dissection of Mona's like visual dissection of Mona's like ident or Jenna's identity to reveal Mona. Like I feel like you could go so many directions mm-hmm. with what this will ultimately mean. Well, this scene is so weird. But you also, could you could read this a few different ways. Also, the jungle red, which was if my mistake, was that not Allison's color? I think it's both of theirs, maybe. But I mean, uh, I, when I think of the jungle red, I think of Allison, but I also think of the the fucking threatening messages written in mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I love this show. <laughs> yeah, so the Jenna thing, she freezes. Like, her Joker smile is only half applied. And it's like she realizes the enemy is near, so she puts on her armor. And Mona steps right in, stands next to Jenna. 
Jenna says, I'm not fickle. When I find what works for me, I stick with it. Interesting, subtextual. Mm-hmm. And Mona hits a button, the elevator shuts, and the elevator car starts moving. And Mona says, well, the trick is knowing when something isn't working for you anymore. LOL. It's like two Bond villains talking to each other. Yes. Yes. And Jenna's like, enough with the makeup tips. What do you want? Well, where else are two Bond villains going to talk but in an elevator in a swanky hotel that used to be a mental (laughs) high asylum where one of them was interred? Yeah. And Mona says, I'm here to make an offer. A one-time only get-out-of-jail-free card. And you can see Jenna's trying to play it cool, but it seems like her her bitchy smile is kind of frozen on her face now. She is listening. And Mona says, stop looking for Noel. Leave those girls alone. Get the first Greyhound out of town. Jenna's like, can I take like a cab? No. <laughs> no. Public you transportation. And, you and Jack Reacher on that <laughs> bus. Um, so so Jenna smirks and she's like, and why would I do that? And Mona says, because Bonnie, Clyde's going to be in police custody real soon. And my hunch is he's going to sing like a canary. So a lot of That's things right. happening. In a that lot sense. of mixed metaphors. There. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, it sounds like I'd be better off sticking around. And Mona's like, not if you want us to say you had nothing to do with it. So Jenna seems tempted by this offer. And I would throw out for all the theorists out there, and I'm just fucking with some of you people. It's like you people who have like the OCD and I just spill like crumbs all over the counter. What does Mona mean by us? Well, I saw an interesting theory that this scene is really Uber A talking to helper A, telling helper A to cut bait because she's blown. I can see it. I don't think that's what's going on, but, you know, it's another angle. This episode is full of little things that make you go, hmm, basically, you know. Much like that CNC Music Factory song. And much like that CNC Music Factory song, this show is going to make you sweat. Is is this part of the plan? Mona going to shake down Jenna? I don't even know. Because we don't know what the fuck the plan was. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Technically, she never said she had a plan. So I'm all about Mona's like, that's the last thing you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then Hannah's like, okay, Anne. And Mona's like, what? And Hannah's like, you sound like you have a plan there. And Mona's like, I do have a plan. Hannah's like, you can tell me the plan. And Mona's like, no. <laughs> that's part of the plan. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Leave me alone if Noel's unconscious body. Well, I was thinking minutes. maybe they're like trying to spook Jenna to like, let's see what she does now. Maybe Which we can is, follow her somewhere. Uh, aside from on hating on this poor woman this is always their plan is to spook jenna and see what happens yeah i i like that the show does it the audience says i don't like that i i would say there is this kind of weird like we can poke fun at jenna's character because of her handicap you know i saw a lot of people who were like how does she get her lipstick on so perfectly well she Um, uses the mirror obviously she uses mirrored I mean, surfaces. This is uh this is a world where we're we're perfectly okay saying Jenna can't hear us. She's blind. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think part of her whole character is that disabilities are scary. Exactly. You know, they're scary well, to the but, liars. But I think we go to this ugly place making fun of them because that's that's our reaction rather than just being mm-hmm. liar and our fear of her. I mean, she again, I said she's she's Samara from the ring. And yeah. every scene is her crawling out of the fucking well. Well, PLL really likes to go there in the most uncomfortable way possible. We'll see that in a few scenes here. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, Lucas is lost. It's nighttime now. It's dark inside until K- Hannah and Caleb enter and they hit the lights. 
Anna's on her phone. She's talking to Mama Marin, who we haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And saying, Mom, I'm telling you, it was all a misunderstanding. Caleb, meanwhile, he turns back to like a cop who's outside keeping watch in the hallway. And it's just like, thanks, officer. And he <laughs> just shuts the door right in this cop's face. Caleb's like, you might want to listen in. It's going to get hot and loud. I'd be taking notes if I were you. Yeah. Yeah, No, don't go on the plane. Go to your conference. All right. I love you. And she smiles and hangs up. Uh, Are we going to, are we going to do the theater? I I mean, I I think we should. Might have some interjections, but sure. Did she calm down? Yeah. She's going to stay there. Thanks for bringing me home. And Anna's, she's like smiling and acting like everything is totally cool and normal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. You sure? Yeah, I told you guys what happened. I know, I know. So then why do you keep asking me if I'm okay? I guess I'm waiting for an answer that I believe. She kind of swallows, putting like all her effort into being sincere and sensitive here. She's like, I'm okay. <laughs> Sorry, I don't buy it. Yeah, it's just like, come on, Hannah. You don't become 2012's essence of best boyfriend state champion by not being able to read your special lady when something's go up. Yeah, call back on the uh, the award that you won five years earlier, Caleb, and have not won since. I'm resting on that lawyer, just like PBR. Okay. That's an old onion joke. Uh, Hannah says, seriously, Caleb, he can go, all right? There's a cop outside my door, and he's not moving. She kind of walks over to the fridge. Uh, the better to lie uh, with him like not being able to see her face. Well, but this is this is always Hannah's move. This is always Let's Hannah's walking. Yeah, let's go to the fridge and get something, usually water. And he's like, But also, that fucking fridge. Check out that fucking fridge. This thing's awesome. It's got like a glass door on it. Like, how did I never notice this before? Oh, you didn't notice it? It's uh it's like the fridge you would see like in a deli or like a florist office or a florist, you know, place or whatever. I it think it just looks so fancy. I, I mean, it's probably not, but uh, like in this loft it is you know yeah i think somewhere on social media like mike malone actually posted a photo of the contents of the fridge nice there's some champagne in there just chilling in the back yeah champagne for my real friends real Mm -hmm. pain for my sham friends um kev's like well neither am i seriously and he's just bringing the sass now and hannah's like what are you talking about hannah the last time i left you in rome alone ad took you so I hate to break it to you, girl, but you're stuck with me. Oh shit. And it says, well, I really want to be left alone. Why? Do you have somewhere you need to be? She does like a frustrated eye roll, spins back to face him. You know, you're a real pain in the ass. So are you. Excuse me? Hannah, you don't do dishes until they mold. You eat french fries in bed. Cold. I made that up for the rhyme. You don't gas up the car until it starts beeping. You won't admit that we're meant to spend the rest of our lives together. You send food back if the waiter breathes on it funny. You know what? There's probably milk in that fridge that's older than me. With my picture on the side of the carton. Hannah just had her world rocked. What did you say? (laughs) About the milk. No. This is really about the french fries. (laughs) (laughs) About the waiter and the weird breath. The gas thing. Are you referencing my Essence of Best Boyfriend 2012 award? <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about it. Um, so he kind of saunt- he owns this room now. He saunters over to her getting close, and he's just like, I never want to spend another day without you, ever, for the rest of my life. 
There's tears in Hannah's eyes now. She's happy. She kind of laughs softly. Like I said, you're a real pain in the ass. He grins. They start kissing, and their hands are just all over each other now. I hope you're happy, Halo Shippers. Spale yeah. died for this. <laughs> <laughs> I just want these two after the show ends just to go do their like moonlighting remake. Well, I mean, what, what did you think of that? Uh, you know, sneak in the profession of true love into the middle of all the other bits there. This is Caleb's it's tropey. Moment. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I feel like Caleb doesn't bring as much heat as uh, Spaleb did in this episode. Really, you're taking that take now, huh? Yeah, we'll get there. Um, Come at me. I, I no, I I concur. I've been saying that forever. Okay. I was oh. I was hardcore Spaleb. I was hardcore mm-hmm. Spaleb. Um, but I was also. Kona, Maleb, oh Mona Caleb, yeah. Well, you get a little bit of that that's, in this episode. That's not just heat; that's dirty heat. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like when you were like in high school or like early high school, and you'd stay up late because mm-hmm. you got the free Cinemax weekend, and you'd watch mm-hmm. Devil's Advocate. And you're like, yeah, part Devil, of me takes this. Devil's movie. Advocate. We all or Color of Night. You're like, this is trash, but it's raunchy. Um, meanwhile, at Allison's house in her bedroom. Emily walks over to the dresser. She starts like setting some stuff down next to that frame picture of Allison and Charlotte. And Emily sighs and she's like, thanks for letting me crash here. Seeing Hannah and Caleb together, I thought it'd be a good idea just to give some some alone time because it's going to be like a porno in there. <laughs> um, and Allison just like walks out of the bathroom. She's got this like dazed robot look on her face. And Emily's like going through the drawer, not seeing this, pulling out some crazy jammies, which we'll talk about. And Allison's like moving pillows around the bed, looking away. And Emily's like, I, I can't shake the feeling that Hannah's just not telling us the truth. Oh, you think, I, Emily? <laughs> I mean, do you really think that she would go off the grid just so we wouldn't know? And Allison's like, I'm pregnant. And all the Emerson shippers are just like, barf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, PLL, you're going there. Uh, uh, so Emily turns to her, not quite with her, but she said, she's like, what? And Allison turns to face her and she's like, I'm pregnant. And Emily's like, oh, shit. Emily's like, gross. Uh, so we pan a little Emily's face. Allison's breathless, overcome with shock. And she's like, I just in there. And Emily's like, you just peed in there with the door open? <laughs> Oh. Emily's like really trying to grapple this one. Like she never even considered this could happen. She's like, "Are you sure?" And he's like, "There's two lines on the stick. I was waiting for one to disappear, but it didn't." Emily's like, "I thought I I thought the test said I was pregnant once too, but then I realized I accidentally just peed on an iPod Shuffle." LOL. That's an old joke. Uh, Emily doesn't really know what to say to poor Allie here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have some thoughts on this, but let's we'll move it a little further along to get to <laughs> I did, that. Like every scene. What? Do you want to just like add a little footnote tab to every scene? Don't you put notes at the end of every scene? I do. Okay. Anyway, so later, I just, I just, I feel like we've heard this a lot. This is where like the uh, the three hours will come in. Like it'll mm-hmm. be an hour of us recapping the episode, and three hours of us just bookmarking those tabs. Um. So later, we're with Emily and Allison as they're sitting on the bench. Like they're they're, they're sitting on that ottoman that Rick keeps all his old timey torture equipment in. And his sex toys. And the dildos, yeah. And Allie says, at first I thought I was just stressed. Been late before, but it was a false alarm. And Emily's like, is it Archer's? And Allie's kind of shocked, like, Emily would even ask that. She's like, of course. Who else would it be? And Emily's like, oh, shit, it's mine. Are you fucking kidding me, Marlene? (laughs) 
she doesn't actually say that. Uh, do you think she suspects yet? No. Like the most obvious alternate? No, I don't think. No, she I don't know. Oh, and like now that Allie's like thinking about her situation, like the horror is sinking in. She's you know, tears are close, and she's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. I thought we were careful." And he's like, "Look, it's gonna be okay." And Allie's like almost sobbing. She's like, "It's not how we pictured." starting a family and he's like well great news Allie there's this place that helps you plan for being a parent in fact it's called Planned Parenthood <laughs> I and can take you there it's funding is always in danger yeah. so make sure you support it no matter what you do thanks for stepping yeah. out my chair <laughs> that's what I'm here for yeah. and he's like you don't have to make any decisions right now and Allie's like I know I just I thought my mom would be here when this happened or a creepy doppelganger sister who's probably a vampire <laughs> to give me advice. Not that she was very good at it. At least I wouldn't be alone. Does she actually say most of that? I, I don't even know anymore when I do these. Um, <laughs> also, I don't know how you read this, but my reaction to this was like, damn, Allie, that is some next level emotional blackmail. Oh, you think she's just being instantly manipulative to Emily? Well, it's like, how can I work this around to like, I thought I wouldn't be alone. And, and so Emily has to like take Allie's hand because it's like, oh, you, no, you're not alone. I'm here. Okay. Whatever you decide to do. And the, I, I, I sense the ulterior motives in the earlier scene where she's just like, like eye daggering page across the room. Mm-hmm. I sense the, the ulterior motives that became on the surface motives in the, that one scene coming up. But in this one, I actually just kind of took in like Sasha Pieter says, like, this is like just the all over the place. Allison, like the jungle, like obviously she knows her mom is dead, but like still, I guess I'm rooting for Emerson, but I'm also rooting for Allie to just be totally manipulative and and like, like ruthless. I usually can those two things exist at the same time. I think so, but mm-hmm. I usually am. I just didn't see that in this scene alone because I, I finishing up my notes after reading, and then we'll talk about it. Now I'm saying it. We'll mm-hmm. talk about it after reading Jacob's article. Once again, Jacob had like a simple sentence to me that really summed up the, the total PLL, and I really felt that with especially with Allison here, which becomes an actual in like like in dialogue philosophical take on her character in the episode itself. Um, which was what uh, about all the different people that Allison has been mm-hmm. and all of all of those people that she has had those roles she's had in habit. I don't think she ever thought that she'd be sitting here with her friend that she's maybe not totally just a friend with talking about how she's been impregnated by her gaslighting grifter uh, husband who's dead that she helped bury while sitting on a on a on a chest of dildos that belonged to him and torture devices yeah. and torture devices which you know they're, they're almost both the same thing and uh, the way he uses them um uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah Allie's a little comforted still crushed uh emily swooping in to say you're not alone that helped a little so let's have a chat about the baby plot line here this was the one who, like, I, I even predicted this on Twitter, but, like, I really didn't want them to go here. Oh, uh, PLL. It's like, they wouldn't really go there, would they? And PLL's like, oh, yes, we will. With, with specifically it being Emily's eggs? I feel like 
because we know, like, like it's too pat for it to just be Rick's kid. Like, why would they put that line in from Emily otherwise? But to like remind us, mm, maybe it isn't Rick's kid, you know? Yeah. Which is just uh, like I know PLL likes to dive straight into the most uncomfortable dramatic situations possible, but like maybe not this one. Like I just don't really see what good can come of it. We'll see. Like I, I, I guess it's just it's gonna be like super insulting if essentially like a rape baby is what brings Emily and Allison together. Yeah. Like you mix that up with like you know women's reproductive re- reproductivity issues. And it's like you're just playing with fire. I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. Like to me, the only way it works is if this isn't like, oh, in Emerson, baby, how happy. But instead, like this is A's like most violent, repulsive crime yet, and this is like going to destroy their relationship if they find out about it. Um, and even that, that's gross. But at least acknowledging how how awful it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Your one joke just made me think about TV show characters who are trapped in their fictional world and can actually verbally question their creator. (laughs) Marlene, what are you doing to me? Am I really saying this? Oh, God, I'm saying it. Ah! Yeah. Um, Yeah, Because if that was the case, you would have thought that Arya would have escaped her plot lines long ago. Well, Arya is a sick, sick person. Speaking of which, we're going to cut to Casa Ezria. Arya's cooking a romantic dinner here for her chronically undeserving fiance. Mm. She's in like a tight, lacy black dress that makes her like extra tiny. Uh, she's got some like saucy music playing. She's that dress is like a sexy, mysterious puzzle. Um, it's, it's an Arya dress. It's, it's it an- kind of reminds me of her first prom dress a little. It's like you could wear this to a romantic night where you're in the mood for love. You could wear this to a funeral. <laughs> I mean, Arya could wear it to a funeral. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, she's like, I don't know, making some pasta. I don't know what she's making here. She's got a table set up with, like, wine. It's got the, the red and white checked cloth. I mean, she's going all out. And uh, and she goes and picks up, like, this weird, like, oil lamp candle thing and carries it to the table. And she's... It looks like it's, like, a like made out of, like, a carafe, like a former carafe of wine. We, we were both like, what is that thing? I know, it's fascinating. She's dialing on her phone and she's leaving this asshole message. She says, hey, you're still in the air right now, but I just wanted to let you know that when you get home, there's, and she kind of looks over at the front door and she's like, there's going to be a cop outside your door and I, I didn't want you to freak out. I'll explain everything when you get here. And really at this point, I think the liars either being under police protection and or surveillance should probably be like the expected state of affairs. Yeah. So she takes a big breath exhales just like a really heartfelt sigh of relief it's like everything is going to be fine all right he's like i can't wait to see you because she's just tempting fate i could just see if we if we saw that scene of ezra with the stubble coming up the steps and he's like oh there's a cop on my door must be tuesday and the cop's like you're an asshole (laughs) some of us have real problems officer Uh, officer whatever your name is um I like Lucy how always does. And I always kind of wonder if this is written in. Like she, she'll do the thing where I just want you to know when you get home and then she like glances over the door so that we know on the other side of the door, there's a cop. Like, I feel like she does that a lot. Um, in addition to her constantly like checking over her shoulder. <laughs> her move. Yes. Yeah. 
her uh, her finishing move. Um, so back at Spencer's house, we can see that uh, Detective Marco's outside knocking one of those back doors. So Spencer walks over, opens the door. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm just being immature. <laughs> knocking on the back door? Mm-hmm. Wow. Spence you need to come- send yourself an eggplant emoji. Oh, yeah. Spencer comes over and opens the door and says, hey. And Marco's like, hey, I just checked in at Dispatch. Wherever Noel is, he's not going to be stupid enough to try anything tonight. I personally (laughs) personally place an officer on every one of your doorsteps. Like, this dude clearly knows nothing about Rosewood, and he is not learning. Like, was it a week ago that some prowler poses a cop on watch and, like, attacked Allie in her own house? Well, I mean, so, okay. So every one of her doorsteps, there's mm-hmm. a lot of doors to this house, uh, metaphorically. And Seriously, there are like a million doors to this, this Hastings house. This room house. alone has seven doors. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so I feel like Detective Marco's like, all right, Officer Sheehan, the mysterious Officer Sheehan, mm-hmm. I want you to stand here and I want you to guard this woman with your life because I kind of have a thing for her. And also I'm your boss and I'm also probably three inches shorter than you. But uh, real quick, I don't want to make this weird. I'm going to just touch your face a little bit to make sure it's real. <laughs> Yeah, that's a real face, and I'm doing this. Sorry. (laughs) Officer Sheehan's just like, look, I I know you're new to Rosewood, but like, let me tell you how this is going to play out. In about two hours, they're not going to be in there anymore. They'll have snuck out because that's what they do every fucking time. So I'm just going to eat my food. He's like, have you, I don't know, check like a haunted house, an abandoned <laughs> mental asylum. That's usually where these girls go. Anywhere with like weird, creepy baby dolls. That's really where you should be staking out. <laughs> also, if the place just has a, just limit your Google search to places, abandoned places that have a, a history of child abuse. <laughs> that's where they're going to be. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Marco's here. What is he even saying? I don't know. <laughs> he says, I'm taking the night shift. Eat dinner alone, the squad car is kind of depressing, so. And he holds up that takeout bag from Sarno's Italian restaurant. He says, I got extra, hoping you might join me. And she's like, dinner? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, here? I like how she's she's kind of making him work for it. At a yeah. girl spence. Well, because fate has basically delivered him to the proposition of the date that he made to her before. Well, she's, well she's basically like, show me your game. Yeah. Yeah, be charming. I mean, you, yeah. know, you should always have to work for it, no matter who you are. Um, and he's like, well, we could both eat in the squad car. And he knows this will work. She knows that, and she knows that he knows this will work. So she doesn't bite well, it. Well, it's like she's she like, kind of like, she's enjoying his earnest commitment to the game. You know, it's like, all right. Yeah. So she's like, I can't turn her down, Sarnos. What'd you get? So he steps aside. She steps aside. He comes in and he sh- shuts the door. And he's like, uh, two or spaghetti bolognese. And she's like, that's actually my favorite. And he's like, I also got you a cherry soda with crushed. He's laughing because Playa did his research. Yeah. Crushed, not cubed eyes. And she stares at the cup, like disbelieving. And she's like, how did you know that? Well, points for crushed ice, but cherry soda in Italian? It's kind of gross, Spence. Like, this is wine time. Well, I think that's what makes their their courtship here that much more interesting. Well, Like, like really gross mixing of food. Well, there's that, but the shippers, you know, I don't know. There's no, there's no claims later on that she just like got drunk and it went too far. Okay, sure. They're, they're, it's going back to this kind of like chaste, innocent courtship. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they got drunk and had like an elevator hookup. Now they're having a, a steakout dinner date. Yeah, you can take her to the soda fountain later. 
Um, but I have it on good authority that Sarno's actual actual the treat is the nochi with the puffy little clouds. Okay. Uh, what they're about to eat is actually a little salty. <laughs> Yeah, so Spencer is like, how did you know that? Because uh, he knows exactly what she likes. And he's like, one of your friends might have helped me out. And she's like, was it Toby? And he says, I don't snitch on my informants. Not a bad line. I think you can you can see Spencer processing all the angles in her head of like, how do I feel about Toby giving Marco tips on romancing me? <laughs> and I wondered, though. Because I could I could see a take on this where Toby still is clueless to the fact that there's a thing happening between Spencer <laughs> and Marco. I am completely unaware. I thought you were my friend, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Toby like just lays out all this stuff about Spencer and then he realizes later, like, oh shit. I thought you were a friend. She thought you were a friend. And then he punches Sector Marco mm-hmm, in the face. Yeah. What would how would that play out then? Oh, I think he punched him in the face. But like Toby can like, take Marco. Toby's okay. like taller than this dude. That's true. He does have like a mm-hmm. foot on him. Yeah. And hair. Sorry, and Marco. The hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I just have accepted long ago that at some point in my life, Keegan Allen might punch me in the face. Probably. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's it's time to really amp up the sexual heat here. Between us or on the show? Yes. In too deep by the sweeplings. It starts playing on the soundtrack. That's going to be the soundtrack to uh, this scene as we pan around a couch in Lucas's loft. You know, when we last left Hannah and Caleb, they were just like making out. They now, were also in this right same spot. Now they are kneeling on a big sheepskin rug. They're both kneeling facing each other. Weren't they kneeling when like they had their first sex scene in mm-hmm. the uh, tent? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she's pulling off her top. She's got like a black lacy bra underneath. Somehow, even though this is like her undercover outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kissing, they're making out. What kind of like weird sexual routine do these guys have where like they have to start with both of them kneeling and facing each other? <laughs> like this is a production here. Also, it's, they've got the uh, they've got the fire pit roaring in the, the background. murder fireplace. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is like, yeah, the beginning of like a sensual arcane rite. Um, well, they have embarked on this sexual odyssey in the middle of Lucas's living room in front of a bunch of big bay windows. And and let's face it, at least 20 cameras. I mean, it's a good thing Emily had the sense to stay away tonight. Because otherwise, she's just like coming home, not really thinking about it, opens the door and she's like, boom, there's Caleb's asshole and balls right in her face. <laughs> Again. I can't. I, I was gonna say this is probably not even the first like uh, like act, sex, sexual act between Caleb that Lucas will have on tape. Oh god! Um, so once Caleb's shirt is unbuttoned, Hannah starts to undo his belt. We get, of course, a hint of Tyler Blackburn's like Bush. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's out there, folks. Uh, then Hannah turns around a little bit. Caleb starts to like undo her bra. When he notices all those marks on the cattle prop. So she's a little uncomfortable about him seeing them touching him. But he starts well, I, like I saw them. Caleb getting a lot of uh getting a lot of grief, like, oh, you don't know how to get the bra off. I don't think he I think he's pausing because it's like, oh, scars. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's he I think he's got a sense that she's uncomfortable about this. Well, he just powers and, through it. Well, he's trying to make her feel comfortable. He starts like kissing the scars as he undoes the bras. Mm-hmm. And it almost turns into something from like Cronenberg's crash. Yeah. He gets that bra off, and they're just right back on track. Yeah. Uh, he even does the move where he pulls out her hair tie and, like, loosens up her bun into, like, flowing blonde, like, sex-ready hair. Yeah. Uh, and then she's, like, laid down on the sheepskin, and 
they really drive the stake through Spalib's heart here because they, they do some hand stuff. You got the old uh, clasping of hands. It's in front of a fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, and then they just commence fucking right on that fluffy white rug in front of the fire. Yeah, clasped hands, just nailing each other like some sensual Greco-Roman fucking. Um, was this hot to you? No. I felt like something was off. Like, it was just such a, a production. It was like a tacky romance novel. Well, it was it was a conclusion that was foregone. It just uh, felt like a like a ritual or something. Like, yeah, we're going through the motions. Put some stink on that, you know. Like yeah. Spalev was hotter. Sorry, yeah. not sorry. Um, and and I and I felt bad because I know a lot of people. This meant something to them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people watched this and then slid out of their chair because of the moistness. I just, I was like, you guys have been hotter. Well, yeah, it's there I don't know. It, it seems kind of like high schoolish. I guess is the vibe. You know, I felt like there was a, weirdly in a strange way like a more hotter romantic interesting whatever scene when like she has to hide in like the shower with him yeah you know what that's, I mean? that's some classic halo right there yeah but like this whatever you just knew it was gonna how happen. long have we been spent talking about the hotness of the halo fuck scene not long enough i'm sure but we should probably we, move on well i mean we spent a, a moment inventing a scene between uh caleb and ezra a few episodes ago yeah, we did. I can go another half an hour on this, yeah. but yeah. So, well, we then we we must it. cut to the opposite of that <laughs> steamy heat. Ah, oh, poor Emerson. They're they're just on the couch watching some like saddled black and white movie. Like, when will Emerson get like the choreographed Greco-Roman fucking scene? I, I don't think it's gonna follow the revelation of a rape baby. Probably not. No. Uh, so on TV, we see some woman's like trying to jump off the back of a train. <laughs> <laughs> as it pulls away from the station. Rather, <laughs> Maybe that's a metaphor. I don't know. Rather than watching the train, like just invade that tunnel. <laughs> uh, the man is like chasing after her. Uh, does this, does this ring any bells? I was the, trying to the, sadly, no, the movie did not ring any bells. Okay. Um, Emily seems to be enjoying herself. And then she like looks over and sees like, Oh, Allie's crying. <laughs> Allie's probably crying. Cause she's like, just once I'd like to watch something in color on my HD TV. Why do, why do people keep wanting to watch this stupid Aria channel? Also, is it me or is Allie like already holding her stomach like her first trimester baby is about to kick or something? Yes. yes. I would not be shocked if like 7-Eleven, she's like three months showing or four months showing. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I could totally see that, yeah. Even though it's like we're in the hospital right after Spencer's been shot. It's like they already know the the, the the gender or sex or whatever, yeah. Yeah, they're already like gooping her up and like doing the ultrasound, yeah. They've got, they have one of those, like like 713's one of those like reveal parties, you know, where they like, you know the, what the, you know what those are? Oh, or like, yeah, like. You, you go to the all baker the, and you like. things are blue, yeah. Well, it's like you go to the baker and tell them like, like, don't show me, but just make a cake and like, you know, make it this color. That's such a weird, yeah. Yeah, it happens to us all. Um, oh, so Emily's like, Anything hey, you tell me? No, okay. Uh, so she, Emily's like, hey, and like she starts like wiping those tears away for her, and Emily's like, it's gonna be okay. And Allison watches her, and then Allison leans in and kisses Emily. To my to my shock, Emily immediately pulls back, surprised, and she's a like, little pained, like, uh, yeah. Well, because this has been Allison's move for oh. poor Emily, torturing poor Emily emotionally. I don't know if it's that so much as like now yeah but emily's like ali 
Ellie's a good person. She's like, yeah. Ellie, you're really vulnerable right now. And Allison's like, that's not why. I promise. And they considers it for a moment. And then she's like, yeah, I'm doing this. And then he's like, Allison leans in for another kiss. And they start like making out tenderly. It's it's some some tender making out. Yeah. Did we really need the pregnancy drama for this? Like, just, what if what if Emily just like crash at Allie's because like she's like, oh, Spencer or Hannah and Caleb are going to be like fucking all night long. Let me crash at your place. They're just cuddling up. They're watching a movie. And Ellie just so, kisses her because it felt right. And like they're like, oh, hey, that was nice. Here's the little tweak that I would like to. No, I'm not saying we have to, but I would have if I was in the writer's room, I'd like to tweak these or examine these permutations of this tweak. What if it was Allison going gone girl, kidnapping Noel Khan, you know, using mm. her former skills, her resources, all that stuff. Wouldn't that satisfy like the desires of so many of us who want to see that Allison again? Yes. Or want to see like her calling on those skills and like merging them with whoever she's going to become. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously they've been setting Hannah up for this arc, but yeah. I mean... It'd be nice. I mean, because now Ali's just, you know, she's pregnant, so she doesn't get to do anything now, you know? Like, after after you've climbed out of your own grave, like, casting shitty glances over at Paige is just <laughs> really picking up the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Oh, and like, do you remember that scene? Uh, it's like four... Season four twelve, I think it's where Arya and Ezra are like at some fucking poetry reading or some bullshit. Yes, but they're they're him. broken up, but she yeah. kisses him, and then she just kind of smiles and goes back to what they're doing. Like, like I feel like that's what Allie and Emily need, like a moment like that, and not like here's some really crappy like pregnancy drama that fell in your lap that you I don't remember deserve. Remember really appreciating your take on that scene too. Mm, okay, thank you. Uh, so meanwhile, at Ezra's, unfortunately, speak of those horrible monsters. Yeah, past past that table up the made up of the romantic dinner, we see Arya storming storming by, talking to herself on a concerned huff, and she's well, that, like, "That's a, an untouched table for two there." Yeah, it is indeed. She's like, "His plane landed hours ago." I'm just asking you to tell me if he got on the and the woman on the phone's like, "I'm afraid I can't do that." Like I said, it's against our. And Arya's like, "Don't you understand? He's not answering his phone." He could be lying in a ditch somewhere, if only. <laughs> and we're not that lucky, Arya. Yeah, the phone's like, I understand that, man, but I'm not authorized to give out that information. And Arya's like, I'm his fiancé. Oh, she's totally incredulous. Yeah, like, do no, you not know who you're speaking to, lady? This is Arya Montgomery, the fiancé. I'm wearing a ring and everything. The phone's <laughs> like, except to a spouse or a family member. I can transfer you to our manager, Lisa Breedenauer. But she's very tough, and I'm sure I like the uh, the, the call out in this episode. The people associated the show, yeah. uh, and it doesn't matter now because Arya has seen something on TV which has captured her attention. So she's going for the remote again. She's working that remote, looking at that TV. Got to unmute it because holy shit, that is Nicole on TV. She is oh, covered what? in grimy dirt. Are there leaves in her hair? I'm no. gonna say close enough. Yeah, I, I close enough calling. She has dirt on her face. <laughs> We can just say that there's leaves in her hair. Someone's just brushed them out of her hair for her. Of course, she's fucking alive. We see the, the Chiron on the TV says, American aid workers produce, presumed dead, found alive. I would love if, like, the last minute somebody ran into, like, the post-production suite and it's just like, quick, I found somebody in the budget. I want you to CGI the leaves out of her hair. Those two fucking guys on the podcast again. I'm not giving them the satisfaction. 
on newscasters saying a miracle that friends and family have prayed for. And then we see on, on TV because Nicole just like wandered out of the fucking jungle, um, like being captured live on camera. And then Nicole, like kind of looks over and suddenly smiles and we see Ezra fucking fits. He just runs right up to her on, you know, national TV and they embrace in this big epic hug. And Ari is just like walking closer to this TV in disbelief. Like this can't be happening. And these casters like Nicole Gordon, one of the 15 American aid workers that went missing from the southwestern village region of Columbia three years ago, has been found alive. And we see on TV Ezra and Nicole, they kiss, they hug. He's caressing her face. She's crying. It's like such a happy romantic reunion. And Arya wants to burn the whole world down right now. Well, and somewhere else, unseen by our eyes, Arya's <laughs> like boss is like, this is great publicity for the book. Oh, my God. The sales are going to go through the roof. Getting this on live TV, uh, the newscaster is saying today. Oh, shit. What if Arya ends up becoming the ghostwriter for her own book? Like, what if the book is credited as being by Ezra and Nicole? Oh, that would be the harshest burn. <laughs> oh, shit. That would just be the cruelest twist of fate. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, guy's saying today, through tears of joy, Nicole reunited with loved ones after a rescue mission led by two U.S. agencies was successful. And Arya's just getting to watch her fiancé on TV be overjoyed to have Nicole back. And Nicole is so glad to be in his arms. And because she's Arya, she has to like relive this pain. So she oh, rewinds see, it. She's got to rewind that to watch it again. The meta hell that you mm-hmm. can just rewind the worst <laughs> moment in your life and rewatch it. Well, it's so devastating. like Because it's like this epic romantic reunion. And there goes the whole life you were planning. And Arya, I mean, do you know she watches this like 5,000 times tonight? Oh, yeah. Poor girl. Yeah. Oh. Like, what an awful situation to be in. Like, what do you what do you even do? Like, you know, even ignoring Ezra being the shitty guy that he is, like, how, how does anyone react to a situation like that? And who even knows, like, what kind of hell Nicole's been through the last several years? Here's the thing. Some spoilers for the rest of the episode that makes it so uniquely interesting. Because, I mean, if you have any kind of sense of human nature, you know how hard this is for her. Mm-hmm. But beyond these scenes where Arya has uh, interaction with a, a screen, mm-hmm. she still passes the Ezria test in every <laughs> other scene. She doesn't unburden her soul to anyone else about this shit. There's no, no time, really. And there's no time. I keep it still, moving. It's like a weird, refreshing, un-Aria-ness mm-hmm. to it all. Um, I liked the PLL Sherlock post about this, um, partially because it wasn't about theories or anything. Um, it did kind of analyze, like, well, if you do think Ezra's a horrible guy for doing this, it's like kind of examine everything that he's experiencing here. Well, I've, um, I have no idea how... One could like, there's no way to react properly to a situation like exactly, that, you know? exactly. Well, and, but I mean, the thing that Pielo Shurek brought up that I hadn't even thought about was that you know, part of the crux of the book and his whole attitude for the past few years is that the last interaction he had with living, breathing Nicole was to be a fucking shit to her, <laughs> and then she disappeared. I mean, with Ezra, that's not that surprising. <laughs> That's Ezra's whole life. But and then she disappeared and was presumed dead. So mm-hmm. it's like. Which became his pain. <laughs> I understand why you deleted yeah. the call. I, I, time to give Liam a call, Arya. Oh, I would just imagine Liam's reaction to this news footage. <laughs> I'm surprised Liam He just turns to Arya. Emma and he's just like, Emma, did you see that shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So after commercial, we're going to fade in on a for sale sign in front of a small little blue house that looks about as real as a Disneyland facade. Uh, you see some boxes and duffel bags are over there on the porch. And then, hey, there's Toby, Toby Cavanaugh. He's checking the oil in his truck like a manly man. Based on the uh, that, that for sale sign, which so sold, I had to wonder if Allison Nelson's actually the, the realtor. I just recently discovered that there's a difference between real estate agent and realtor. Anyway. Oh. Um, well, when, when the fuck did he finish his house? Well, seven episodes ago, it was still massively unfinished. There was a trailer that Nicole was involved in an injury in like three episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. Yvonne was, was uh, seemingly attacked. Yeah. But now there's like a whole fucking house that's built and they're moving out of it. You, you well, move fast, Toby. But here's my thing. Store, uh, like, like metaphorically, Toby's thing, his story always involves mm-hmm. like these unbuilt, unfinished things. The house is built. It's been sold. Like, Toby's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, this was like the nail on the head for me. Like, and like, what's going to happen to Toby at the end of this episode? I'll tell I you what's like, going to happen to Toby. He's going to sail around the world with Yvonne on a boat named the Live Forever. <laughs> and then and then a plane engine, right? Mm-hmm. He's about to come back to like his home shores. A plane engine will follow the sky and crush him to death. Yeah. But so he's, he's checking his oil because Toby is, of course, the kind of guy who like does these things before traveling anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then Spencer approaches. She's got like a beige trench coat, argyle sweaters and ripped jeans. It's it's all classic Spencer looks. Oh, it's yeah. like it's like she's taken a little bit of her costume from every aspect of their relationship <laughs> and put it on. Yeah. And she's like, hey, and he's like, hey. <laughs> He puts his dipstick back in that engine, and she kind of say that again slower. Hey, that or something else. <laughs> okay. Continue. He puts his dipstick back into the engine. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, Spencer says, "So you thought you could leave without saying goodbye?" He says, "You know, I hate goodbyes." I do. He doesn't say anything. He just wipes his hands on a rag. Yeah, she waits behind him. She says, is Yvonne in the house? Finally turns around. No, she um, she went to pick up some more boxes, but I thought you were supposed to be on lockdown. I'm with a cop. Former cop. Uh, how would you describe his body language here? He like puts his hands on his hips like Superman or something. He's like giving her this weird like blue steel look. Yeah, these pursed lips. Yeah. Uh, Will Fury said that he'd make an exception. I bet just for you, though. What a weird, it's, awkward thing to say. Well, it's like I—I I don't know how to read. I feel like I feel like this is Toby. Like he's just guessing that maybe some point down the line those two might hit it off. Like no idea that they've already hit it off and then some. <laughs> maybe a few times last night, and she's like, "So, this is it for now." Yeah, this is uh, this is it. He really seems to like not give a fuck. I don't know. How are I, you reading him? I, I, I feel like it was an interesting take, just because I don't know. I mean, there's a cool exterior to Toby here. Like, mm-hmm. like is, is he putting up this icy wall just to not get into all the emotions that he might be feeling? I don't know. Maybe. Um, so he just kind of stares condescendingly at her. Uh, she takes a big breath and she pulls out a little book from her pocket. It's uh, like anthology of poetry here. 
And he's like, this is the one from your nightstand. This is a, this is a heartfelt gift she gave him. And she's like, I wanted you to have it. When she gave him this, I was immediately like, oh, he's going to get shot. and It's going to hit that fucking book that's in his pocket and save his life. I, or I just miss. <laughs> you said that. And I think yeah. I immediately responded with, no, the bullet will go right through it. <laughs> it hit his heart. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he smiles. She forces a brief one. She says, I'm really, really happy for you, Toby. You deserve love. You deserve that kind of great, big, beautiful love more than anyone else I know. He's kind of last at this. Um, like his mood is light where it seems like Spencer is attending her own funeral. And he's like, thank you. She kind of mouths. Yeah. I hope that you find the same. Me too. And they just stare at each other for a while. He's giving her nothing. So like, it's time to go. Mm. She walks off and then she stops and turns back. Toby. Can I kiss you? And Toby's fucking face here. It's like, it's like he's going to be sick. Like just the contortions that he does. Like, Oh, it's, it's like he's, he's in some sort of agony. But I, I read it as like, as much as I think that this is the right decision that I'm doing, that I'm doing this for all the right reasons. I know where I stand. I feel like he's like, fuck, she found like the gap in my armor. Well, he, he doesn't say yes because she's no. like just one last time just to say goodbye she walks right over to him and like the pained acquiescence here he like he just kind of stands there and closes his eyes and like makes these like kind of uncomfortable faces uh he never really gives her the green light she kisses him anyway and then like after a bit he kisses her back and then she kind of pulls away so he's the one like kind of left hanging Trying to complete the kiss. I think he's afraid of how tender he is here. Also, he mm-hmm. does, he does, you know, we talk about Keegan's hair. Mm-hmm. We talk about his hands, mm-hmm. those powerful thespian hands. He does some like little subtle like lip stabs before, like mm-hmm. for like in the air for contact before he's like forced to open his eyes and realize that her mouth is no longer there. Well, because she pulled out, yeah. And suddenly, I, suddenly I, he was the one trying for more. I, feel like you have to really be in that moment as an actor because otherwise I, I don't feel like a person consciously could go in and do the lip stabs as real as he's doing this is here. such a fucked up moment like is this romance are spooky people no, cheering at this i like, don't think you're supposed to cheer for this but i think that's what makes it so wonderfully real i this think is like a lana del rey song i mean this is just fucked up that's why i feel like one of the most for me positive take positive moments in the five years forward Halo scenes mm-hmm. was actually the conversation in the alley in New York. Cause it was so adult and real. Mm-hmm. Um, and it danced around real things. That's why I, I like about this. Um, it's not healthy. This request that Spencer it's makes so, of him. It is so messed up, but it's, it's so Spencer. Mm-hmm. She didn't really get to process those emotions when he's just like, BT dubs, I built the house for you, but I'm giving it to her. And she's you know? just like, you fucked me, I'm going to fuck you. Well, I don't think it's it's malicious like that. It's not mm. like they kiss and then she whispers, I win. You know, <laughs> She should have, though. Well, or, she just gives him this like, Hydra. she gives him this intense look and just speed walks out of there. And Toby's just making like, I am an abused puppy faces, you know. I think this this moment is also going to be about Spencer dealing with the fact that she actually made this request and Toby being, as your video reminded me, being the most honorable guy that she knows, acquiesce. But Well let, let me let me make it creepy. Okay, please. Think about Toby's history with Jenna. Yeah. And kind of having to acquiesce to requests. Ooh. Yeah. 
This just got hot. I, I like uh, to think that Spencer has so discombobulated Toby right now that like he forgets to like he was in the process of like refilling his brake fluid or something. And he forgot to do it. <laughs> thus causing what happens at the end of the episode. Well, this gets to my point though. What I like about this scene, much like I liked the the reversal of expectations with the Hannah Null stuff earlier is should Toby be deceased at the end of this episode? Should he die magically for some reason? Like it, it his death will serve like for Spencer to have to process that, you know, rather than like a, the, the female character dying. So the male character can have a storyline like, like, like fucking Ezra <laughs> so far. I love that this is just fodder for Spencer to act the fuck out of the show yeah. as it goes to its swan song. Spencer can feel better, maybe, but I feel better. Um, so I just, I just remember making a comment in our last roundtable with Heather and Jacob and saying, "I, I, I wanted like characters to get canceled before I wanted to see Spoby scenes again or something like that." Mm-hmm. And Heather's just like, "There's going to be a fatwa on your head." <laughs> yeah. So cut to hashtag Emerson. They're asleep on the couch, a Dillerentist living room. Uh, pr- probably just cuddled. I mean, I don't know. Who knows what they did in the night? Um, Emily kind of slowly comes to and like side eyes, like because she hears some some arguing outside. Those pajamas. Yeah, she's in like these denim pajamas with these little like gold foil pineapples all over them. Um, yeah, we got got some arguing going on, and it's kind of hard to hear, but the close captioning helps do you, us. Do you want to do you want to do this? Who should, uh, who should we be? I guess I'll be the cop. Can I help you? I'm here to see Emily Fields. Your page, by the way. Yes, I am. Yes, yeah. I am. <laughs> what is this regarding? I need to talk to my friend. You'll have to. She's not answering her phone. I was here yesterday. My name's Paige. Ask Detective Fury. He'll tell you. Detective Fury is unavailable, and I'm afraid I can't let you in. Uh, Emily right now is like slowly arisen, taking care not to wake Allie here. It comes over to the window to like look out the drapes. I don't even want to say for a second. Can I at least buzz the intercom? No, I'm sorry, ma'am. And we cut to outside the Hastings gate. See, Paige is talking to a cop. She's got her bike nearby. She's holding a big manila envelope in her hand. And Emily's kind of walking up behind uh, uh, Paige here from Allie's house. I thought it was funny because I feel like if I was the cop personally, I'd be like, yeah, you can buzz the intercom. I don't give a fuck, but I'm not <laughs> letting you in. Yeah. <laughs> and then Paige says, please, I just have to drop off, drop something off for my girlfriend. I'll be a sec. Ooh. Also, girlfriend? Emily's- Emily's still wearing the jammies. She's just put shoes on now. Mm-hmm. It's like this is this is totally like a this could be an outfit that Emily wears to go shopping in or a or job like, interview or job interview, and it would make perfect sense in this universe. But yeah, Emily walks. Girlfriend, up. you presume too much, Paige. I wonder if this is just like one of those like familiar slips of the tongue. Mm. That's her NLP. Uh, Emily walks up and says, "Paige." Paige turns around. This cop is like relieved to be free of this. He just like rolls his eyes and walks away. <laughs> so Paige is like, hi, he's giving me such a hard time about seeing you. And he's like, why are you here so early? Is everything okay? Yeah, today is just a deadline for our job paperwork to be turned in. Didn't want you to miss it. And he's like, thanks. And Paige just has some crazy eyes right now. So he oh. takes that envelope. In this scene. Anytime it's Lindsay Shaw's like coverage, mm-hmm. just just do yourself a favor and pause it every now and then. <laughs> it is joyous. Um, well, it's it's such a weird move because they're competing, and she's like, "I want to make sure you don't miss out." 
Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know there's, where there's Paige is headed with this. There's on a variety of levels mm-hmm. here. Um, the Paige is like looking, you know, looking past her at the dealer's house doing that map. And she's like, did you sleep there last night? Yeah. Uh, Hallie's kind of having a rough time. I think you're all kind of going through a rough time. And we're just kind of cautiously nodding. So are you allowed to go out and get some breakfast? I actually should get back. I, I let you in, but it's not a good time. And McCullers takes this like a slap to the face because she has no chill. Yes, chill. Um, Paige is just like, unbelievable. Paige, come on. Nothing has changed, has it, Em? Look, I can't talk about it right now. Allie's going through something. She needs me right now. Yeah? What about what you need, which is me? I need. Uh, Emily says, no, she's, she's, she's in trouble. Ooh, she almost said it. Uh, mm-hmm. And Paige comes back immediately with, no, she isn't. She saw us getting close again, and now she's trying to drive a wedge in between us. Allie is the same person that she always used to be. She doesn't want anyone, anyone else happy unless it's on her terms. And Emily's just stunned. As Paige just goes to her bike. And Emily's like, Paige, don't walk away. She's got it right to. away. <laughs> I have to because you're still controlled by her. It's like you're her puppet. No, that's not what's happening. If you just gave me a chance to explain. You know what? Call me when you finally decide to cut the strings. Damn. Paige angrily rides away on her bike at like three miles an hour. It's like a really funny, like aborted storm off attempt. Well, so like if the cops are protecting the liars, then who is protecting the trash cans? No one. (laughs) Uh, Emily's just shocked by all this. Like, I think she's feeling rather ambushed and maybe a little guilty because Paige might be like half right. Yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, technically everything Paige said about Allison is true. <laughs> but you're not allowed to point it out. You know? yeah. It's part of the game. <laughs> uh, so Emily just goes back to Allie's house and you see like in the background this like female cop just turns away like she didn't hear all that. Yeah. I mean, what what do we make of Paige? Because I, I feel like Paige had moved to a new place by uh, the time she left in season five. Yeah. But she has either regressed or she is like playing with a new handbook or something because she is just coming on stronger than ever. I based on that that ending scene in the one episode where Emily's talking to her about like blah blah blah, it's Noel Khan. We see Paige is like in the brew watching mm-hmm. Serena. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where Paige has ended up. I mean, we don't know what their relationship was like during the five years thing. I mean, I, I wonder, like, if Paige just kind of regressed a little bit when she was dealing with, like, her, what was it, like, knee injury? Um, well, she's like, I'm back to compete with you, but also I want you. Like, I, I just, but yeah. That's, that's classic Paige. I know. <laughs> I guess so. Um, she still hates Allie all those years later. She can't, like, assault Emily because Emily's already, like, like drowning in women. Um, yeah. Meanwhile... Another in-game ship is waking up in Lucas's loft. Hannah's phone rings in the foreground. We see it's the lab on the phone. Just imagine what that room smells like. I think it smells like Essence of Best Boyfriend. Like 2012. Like sweaty. <laughs> it's a little fermented now. but Sweaty and a little bleachy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the background, her and Kayla come to focus under some blankets on the sheepskin rub. His arm draped over her. Uh, this would have been a great moment to have like the the Tyler Black wearing like sleeping face down, just like buns. Yeah, yeah, but seriously, just eighties buns. <laughs> been um, a while since we had the gratuitous ass shot. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, or as I'm always advocating for the uh, the full frontal Ezra, just because no one <laughs> no one would see it coming, and the, the the shippers would like they'd just faint and die. Uh, the way I would do that scene isn't isn't even like a romance scene though. That mm-hmm. would work too. It would be, no. He's like coming out of the shower or something. Well, I would say I would do a tense scene of all four liars talking about the newest development and who's out there trying to kill them and who might be watching them. And then Ezra just walks out like towel in his hair, just like butcher shop dangling there. Like Arya, we need to get more coffee for. Oh, jeez, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> Uh, and then, like, later on, you pick up on that with, like, the second half of a conversation of Emily, of all people, <laughs> having to explain, like, shrinkage to Hannah. Oh, uh, this is why they don't let us make TV shows. Um, Yet! So, uh, Hannah's got Caleb's shirt on. Um, I guess you put that on after their night of Greco-Roman fucking. Well, the blanket was too far away. Yeah. So, she answers the phone. She says, do you have the results? And the lab dude says, yeah, they're not a match. <laughs> and it's like, what? Are you sure? He's like, we tested the sample you gave against the DNA you provided, and they don't match. I was really waiting for him to be like, although, blah, 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 matched, you know, like, or some, some like weird, you know, yeah. you're related to Noel Khan thing. Yeah. I ran your DNA against it just because I'm weird. You and Caleb are actually brother and sister. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know, we've been talking for two hours already. Do you want the three hours? Do you want it bad? It might happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Hans, like, is there any way you made a mistake? He's like, no. Those two people are not related. <laughs> that line delivery. Well, and Hans, like, okay. Th- so there's no way you dropped ketchup from your hot dog, or one of the hairs in your beard fell in there. He's like, I'm hanging up now. <laughs> He's like, uh, I don't have a beard. And she just sighs. She's like, look, you have to be wrong. He's like, we didn't make a mistake. They're not a match. I'm sorry. Like, I love how utterly condescending she is to this dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so she hangs up, makes him hand a face, and then she texts the girls, Spencer's house now. I screwed up big. <laughs> and uh, cut to Spencer's house, where Spencer's laying into Hannah. She's like, so you just decided to go rogue? Hey, our resident girl gone rogue. Mm-hmm. And Hannah says, well, it was the hashtag. No. She says, well, I was sure Noel was our guy, and you guys are just getting cold feet. You already have video evidence on this guy. What do you need the fucking DNA evidence for? Oh, Spencer's line is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hannah, if by cold feet you mean we weren't willing to abduct someone and beat a confession out of them, then yes, we got cold feet. Well, and it's like, I'm sorry. I thought if I did this on my own, I could prove to you guys that Noel was AD. Uh, and so Arya's like, I can't help but notice you keep talking in the past tense. She's and it's like, well, there is a problem. And then he's like, what problem? And says, I was wrong. I got the test results back. Noel isn't Mary's second child. And Allie's like, he isn't. And he's like, no. Arya's like, so you're saying that he's not AD. And he says, well, I'm not saying that either. And Allie's like, don't tell us what Hannah doesn't mean. Tell us what Hannah means. Now she's like, what are you saying, Hannah? I'm saying I have Noel tied up in a chair in an old motel room, and we need to deal with that. <laughs> Just like big, heavy size, except for Spencer. I think it's like, hmm, Noel Khan tied up in a chair. I can work with that mm-hmm. on a variety of levels. So she's like, so we're we again? And he's like, guys, forget about the blood test. Noel pushed a girl down a flight of stairs. According to Hannah's dream, they were all just taking his fact for some reason and tormented us in the dollhouse, which is a much bigger, solid piece of evidence. 
And Allie says, Emily's right. Just because he's not Mary's kid doesn't mean he's not AD. And, sorry, go ahead. Uh, Hannah says, how do we know for sure? I mean, he could start by handing him over to the cops and letting them do their job, but nah. No, whoa, 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 this is PLL. We don't do that. Yeah. Ari's like, well, why don't we ask Noel? And Emily and Hannah kind of both like side-eye Ari, like this is just absurd. I was waiting for Ari, well, so Ari says together, and I was waiting for her to be like, except I can't make it. Yeah. Just I, four of you. I actually have to go. There's uh, so many Columbia I need to murder. <laughs> Again. <laughs> this time she'll stay dead. Uh. You pay some rebels off to do your dirty work for you, and these are the results you get. You want something done, you gotta do it yourself. Either that, or have your your dark other dimensional uh, poor sign. Oh, we're gonna see Lord Pictunia later in this episode. Yes, yes. I just, I just love the the like. I want to go write my fanfic, which is time to become we again, all over Noel Khan's tied up ass, Reservoir Dog style. <laughs> Um, so yeah, together they look at Allison who looks at Spencer, Spencer looks back to Hannah, and Hannah's like, it's worth a try. And then he's like, Okay, but how are we supposed to get past the cops? Uh, we can't exactly take them with us, and they're not about to let us go on a field trip. Spencer's like, just I just thought about that. Just remember how much fun it was when the four PLO moms got together and got drunk in that prom. Oh keep yeah. Those, keep those girls in that barn. Mm-hmm. Um, How'd that work out? Yeah. Spencer's like well, they check the perimeter every 15 minutes. So we just have to wait until it gets dark and then sneak out. I don't know if she just casually uh, noticed that. Of course, she's already like timed the rotation for weakness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. she's she's come a long way from Toby instructing her to make coffee for the cops that are watching her. Oh, yeah. Mm. Seriously. God damn it. Toby um, and his like, his weird hair guy wisdom. <laughs> like... It's like delinquent wisdom, you know. Samson and Delilah here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, Allie's like, you don't think they're going to notice that it's dead quiet in here and the wheels are just turning in Spencer's, like the, the, the dark nightmare factor in Spencer's mind. Um, well, it's like you consider how many times these guys have been assigned to watch the girls. I'm amazed they even bother. They're mm-hmm. like, you know what? Fuck you. Hire your own bodyguards. We're halfway into next year's overtime budget already. Well, so even before... They, they were constantly assigned to protect these girls and stand guard to them. These cops would show up at like crime scenes. They would do their cop thing. These four girls would like park themselves like the next yard over and <laughs> loudly discuss how they're responsible for that crime. And the cops will never figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. How will they uh, make it so it's not dead quiet inside? Cut to later on. It's dark outside. We can kind of see a cop just visible through the blinds and like the back door there, Spencer's house. Uh, we're in the Hastings living room. We can hear the liars talking. We don't see them. We hear Arya say, you guys, we all need to calm down and stop freaking out. And it says, my brain hurts. I need food. Spencer says, there's ramen noodles in the cupboard. Go nuts. And Arya's like, how can you think about food right now? Noel is out there somewhere. And then Allie pipes in. And I personally won't be able to breathe until he's found. And the camera's like pulled back all the way to show us like, oh, there's just like little portable speakers and like in a phone, like playing a loop of conversation that they like recorded earlier in the day. This must have been fun. Having characters rehearsing and acting out their own in character, play the type, nonsensical ramblings. Well, like I hope they looped a longer conversation. These cops outside are like, damn, these bitches have been talking about ramen all fucking night. Other than the other cops. That's like, normal. 
actually, Sheehan, I kind of want some ramen now. Yeah. Here's the scene. Did that you want to just leave? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the scene that I kind of thought they were going to do, even though it doesn't work out mathematically, but I, I want them to do in the future. Similar situation where they have to sneak out from the cops. Mm-hmm. So they call in all of the significant others to dress up like them. Oh, yeah. I like that. And then that. lead them away. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like where your head's at. <laughs> so then we're we cut outside what looks like a quiet motel at night. Hannah leads the girls to room 155 and locks the door for key. And Ari's like, you didn't remember to like water and feed him, right? <laughs> and it's like, Nolcon needs to be watered in martinis regularly. But like, like for real, it has been two days. He is sitting on a patch right now. <laughs> he's like, he's like, first I'm going to shit, yeah. then I'm going to kill you. They're like, um, no, con, Eureka, piss. <laughs> oh God, just like, like, like the, it's it's like dripping down towards his, uh, his sucking wound. leg wound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm just thinking. I mean, I think it might have because he's he's pretty rough later. That's gonna be a. Real bad infection if you pee in somebody's wound, essentially. Mm. I never thought we would talk about that on a PLL podcast, but we went Oh, we have so much more to go to. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so Hannah's like, of course. So she opens the door, leads them inside. Inside, of course, the chair is empty and old Khan is gone. It's just like, (laughs) did you remember to tie him up? Oh, Hannah, pull in another boner. Yeah. Uh, So the rope and duct tape have all been, like, cut and ripped apart. We still see that, like, pool of blood of Knowles next to the chair. And it's like, oh my God. And he's like, oh, this is bad. Now he says, really bad. And Arya says, this is really not very good. <laughs> Thanks, Arya. Yeah. And it's like, he took the camera. Jesus Christ. Like, was Mona supposed to keep this on lockdown? Ugh. She's just like holding the empty tripod in hand. And it's like, he can make it look like I kidnapped him. And Allie's like, you did kidnap him, Hannah. <laughs> And it's like, well, now you can prove it. <laughs> oh, I mean, honestly, Hannah, for all your ambitions of being secretly a smart one, like, man, you, you fucked up. And then all their phones beep simultaneous text. Aria reads, 1465 Elm Street, 10 p.m., bitches. And Hannah's reading, and she kind of continues, let's swap my thumb drive for your camera. And Aria looks over at her tulpa like she's not mad, just very disappointed. Like, I I thought it was interesting because when I watched this scene, I was like, is this text from Noel? Is this an A text? I think this is a Noel text. I think this is a Noel text. And I think that's interesting because we don't know what the caller ID says. They also don't read off. Yeah. Like, like, a, like a call sign at the end. Um, someone well, pointed out. Wouldn't that mean like Noel's like right outside somewhere probably watching? That'd be great timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I feel like there's a lot of rehearsal that has to go into hashtag PLL death trap. Mm-hmm. But uh, someone pointed out that it was actually a year to the day that Wes Craven died. And the liars got to do their own Nightmare on Elm Street pseudo homage. Mm. Which made me think about, like, I feel like I needed Hannah to just call someone a bitch like three more times just to be Freddy Krueger. Where you going, bitch? You know, I've never actually seen. I might have seen the first Friday the 13th, but that's it. I've seen the first one. I've seen handfuls of the other ones. I actually, I don't know why. I've oh, Nightmare on Elm Street too. I've watched the uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Is what I'm talking about. Yeah. I watched like the four-hour documentary about making all the movies, which is actually really interesting about making a horror movie series. And I kept thinking, like, uh, one of the directors, Rachel Talele, like she would be a great PLL director if only there was more. Um, so after the commercial, by the way, totally unrelated. Do you happen to see uh, Leslie Link Gladder is up for Captain Marvel? Maybe. That's awesome. 
She's on the short list. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd, that'd be really awesome. And I think um, she's definitely like gotten enough of like the bona fides and the praise and the awards in the TV world. So I think it'd mm-hmm. be really interesting to see her. Cause she, did she do now, now and then? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be interesting. Uh, Leslie Linka Gladder directed the pilot for PLL and uh, Unmasked. So in case yeah. anyone's wondering. And then, you know, more than a few people on the show, including I, Marlene King, I think even Paula Hunsaker talked about how she's like their mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she did like uh, episodes of Homeland where I believe she won a few Emmys. So it's like we're actively trying to make this episode longer. I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, we could talk about the behind the scenes stuff with the cast mm-hmm. and crew, or we could go right back into like the filthy sex stuff. I you mean, get, uh, like, Caleb and Mona here at the Radley? I could go and get like a jar of mayonnaise and put my mm. hand in it and just tell you that that's what these ships sound like right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I actually don't have any mayonnaise in my fridge. Uh, so after the commercial, we're going to fade in on the Radley Lounge. Just like, uh, what's her name? I'm a <laughs> robot. I really thought something would stop me. <laughs> so, yeah. Mona so, and Caleb, uh, they're hanging out on like B-Squad duties here. I mean, couldn't they have just sent Mona to interrogate Noel like eight hours ago? Yeah. Like instead of waiting till it was dark so they could sneak out. I would love to see the Mona variation on the uh the torturer laying out all of the tools they're gonna use. Mona comes back later and she's like, Well, Noel Khan ain't got Mona, no more secrets now. Also, I might be pregnant. <laughs> also, I have a Ziploc baggie of his fingers if anyone wants them. Mm-hmm. They got some like swanky pop music playing right now. These two are sitting alert, looking around for any sign of the Jenna thing. And a waiter arrives with some coffee for them. Does Emily still work at the Radley? Like, I she, feel she like taking a few days off. We needed the scene of the, the the bartender who's about to show up here. We needed him to like do the thing where he like calls her up and he's just mm-hmm. like, Emily, this is the third and last time we call you about showing up <laughs> for your shift. Emily's just you like, can't just leave us a voicemail that says, cover for me and then disappear. What do you think this is? High school? Emily's like, uh, look, you don't understand. My friend's mom is your boss, so yeah, <laughs> sorry. I'll keep getting my paychecks too. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So this guy drops coffee off, and Caleb's just like, "Thank you." This uh, scene, this moment, I love. They do the weirdest little move in sync here, where they like prepare their coffee together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb pours some cream in his cup, and then Mona reaches over to put a sugar cube in his cup as he like crosses over her arm to pour creamer in hers. It's like this weird little cross sink. Like what, what does this mean? Well, and I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm broken. Maybe wires don't connect in the right spot. Mm. I found something more interesting about this quick 32nd thing mm-hmm. than the, uh, like murder fire. Yeah. Like, like fuck mm-hmm. party. Um, well, it doesn't, what this reminds me most of, like, when, when was the last time we saw just kind of a weird synced up vibe like this? It was when Spencer, Spencer and Caleb, and Caleb and the walked Radley. out of the Radley, like, weirdly in sync with each other. Like, yes. are they up to something? Are they hate fucking? After that elevator scene last season, I, I could see it. My personal theory is that uh, they have a secret. Their secret is not that they're, like, in on it as AD together. But they, I think, because, like, didn't Caleb, like, disappear for, like, an episode? To go camping. And, and like, Mona disappeared for that episode, too. Mm. Yeah. Oh, remember that weird look he gave her 
in 620 when she showed up at the Lost Woods at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just like, what the fuck is she doing here? Like, yeah. I yeah. Know. Yeah. I, I feel yeah. like they've got a secret. It's not the one we think, probably. Do you think they broke into a lab and then they, they stole a turkey baster? No. I, what I, I think their secret is going to be used to throw suspicion on Mona and then remove it and make us think that she's she's still on the up and up when maybe she's not. That, I mean, that's how I do it. Or, yeah, there's that. Or that she could still be the last red herring before the ultimate reveal. Uh, and we'll talk about it at the end. Well, it's hard to think of Mona being AD unless she's playing the most devious game of misdirection of all time. Because I just don't think she would care about who killed Charlotte. I think more likely she would have killed Charlotte. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of funny, the idea that like she would just like put everyone through all this grief to find the real killer when she did it. Well, but so isn't there still... Of all the shuffling and all the confusion about who's mm-hmm. what, who's doing this and what have you... Isn't there still the question of who was AD and who was the actual killer? Yes. I mean, I know. Un- unless AD is the killer and it's like a massive con. I know a vote was taken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, apparently I, that ended up not being accurate. I, I kind of feel like AD is genuine in their hunt for the killer. Yeah. I don't think it's all some like trick of AD's. Um, it's just uh, uh, we'll have to cast question on on who AD is, just because presumably they're not, you know, the next new secret De Laurentiis or secret Drake or what have you. No, uh, but they may have some sort of connection to them. Maybe I don't know. My my theory is that Mona is either AD or already knows who AD is. My theory is that after the reveals in this episode, we're hopefully going to see Peter Hastings back in a big way. Mm-hmm. That dude's probably got a lot of jam. So we got all that from them crossing their arms, making coffee. <laughs> they go back to waiting. Caleb's stirring his drink. Then the elevator dings, and they look up to see, oh, that looks like Jenna walking out in like a, a hooded coat, like a hood up, dark, gla- you know, black glasses, tapping the cane. Yeah. Mona touches Caleb's arm there. Like, oh, not over to Jenna. So they watch as uh, Jenna goes to the bar. Bartender pours two glasses of whiskey. And Mona's like, she's got two drinks. Who is she meeting? And the bartender picks up the glasses and like comes around. He's going to like bring them over to someone. Looks like we're about to find out. And that bartender walks right over to Caleb and Mona with Jenna trailing. And the bartender puts the drinks down right in front of them and walks off. And then Jenna quote unquote, pulls off her hood and big sunglasses to reveal the bee stung lips of Sydney Driscoll instead. Oh, it's fucking shit. Sydney. And Mona's like, Sydney? And she's like, compliments to Jenna Marshall. Cheers. And then she says, This is my only scene in the episode. <laughs> I came back for 30 seconds. Yeah. And she just like smirks and takes off, like folding up for Kane. Mona and Caleb are just like sitting in stunned disbelief because they just got played like a couple of chumps. I love that they brought back Chloe Bridges for one single 30-second scene. It's so random. I We better get more of her. Like I was going to say, as an actor, <laughs> you get the call to come back to PLL. <laughs> I mean, I would have done it for 30 seconds of screen. I, mean, I love this show. but We I mean, still need to know who she was meeting. Yes. Hmm. There are some secrets from season five I'm still waiting for. Yeah. 
So yeah, Jenna's the Jenna is loose. The Jenna thing is out there because they got played by like the obvious con that we were just talking about. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, at uh, former cons of Toblerone, Toby and Yvonne, they're battening down the hatches on their truck. Everything's getting strapped in. I like how there's like a deluxe Scrabble table right on top of everything else so, in the back of the truck. To me, it's like picture there's a coffin, mm-hmm. right? It's nailed shut. You have all the nails. And then someone's like, I want to put one more nail in that coffin. And it's going <laughs> to be Scrabble. a deluxe yeah. Scrabble table, which is just like the cherry on top of the executor's axe just hanging over Toby's head. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they finish up. They they take a breather. Like uh, Toby looks back at his house. Toby. He just finished um, building like two days ago in size. And Yvonne <laughs> frowns. And she's like, still hard to say goodbye. And he says, it's just a house. I mean, says, I literally just finished building this after years of work, but it's just a house. Maybe it's just the front and the side of the house <laughs> with like wood beams holding them up. Yeah. Um, so she's like, you don't mean that. Yeah, I do. It's a house you built almost entirely up by yourself and not at all up to code. Look, bitch, don't rub it in. And he says, I just wish I knew who bought it. She says, I guess we'll find out when they move in. Someone will send you a note. Emily, maybe. Or Spencer. He nods at the sage wisdom because he's never heard of email or phone calls. But is, is, is it also possible that he's just like uncomfortable slash guilty at the mention of Spencer? Yeah, probably. Also, he's immediately like, let's get out of here. Who bought the house? I mean, I feel like they wouldn't put that line in unless uh, it was going to be someone. My vote is for Jenna. I always wonder, like, now, as we get to the end, like, is this a legitimate question that we should be asking ourselves? Or are they just fucking with us? Yeah. I mean, this whole episode is like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Jenna Jenna seems like the kind of weird person who would buy a house to be built. Well, because, I mean... You know, people have tried to find all these like tendrils to how how you would connect Spencer to like life about Toby. And like one person pointed out, she's like in charge of finding the office space for her mom, which is great. But I don't see Spencer's mom, a senator, working out of this tiny dinky <laughs> little like house Disneyland house yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Maybe Spencer could live here at some point, but that loft or that, yeah, that, uh, that loft is way better in this place. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so he says, actually, you're about ready to head out. <laughs> So she grins at him and she's like, I made some sandwiches for the drive because I'm so old fashioned and Americana. I'll grab a cooler. Okay. So she goes back inside. What time is it? Is it a little late for sandwiches? Toby is 100% the guy who's just like, we need to leave now to beat the traffic. (laughs) I want to get up at O dark 30. 10 PM. Yeah. I want to actually leave the night before O dark 30. He pulls out his phone. He's debating sending a text of Spencer. He starts out typing, heading out soon. I just wanted to say. And he stops. He thinks. He considers. And then he just deletes that. Solid move, Toby. No good can come of that shit. And then we're going to get a nice, ultra spooky establishing shot of 1465 Elm Street, which is like just these creepy stone pillars and like this busted wrought iron gate, like leading into like this misty haunted house. Classic PLL location. Um, then we kind of like cut inside. Um, I mean, that's a direct Freddy, Freddy uh, Krueger reference too. Am I right? It's like the yeah. same address. Yeah, I believe it's the same address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love to include this. I don't know if that's really a clue or anything. I, I think it's more just like a reference. I think it's just fun. Yeah. 
so cut inside of this house. Well, we, I should mention too, the, the lights are on inside this house. So then we go inside and kind of hear Emily's voice, like, you know, looking out. Um, we hear Emily say, is the door locked? And the door is not locked. Spencer says, I doubt it. Who'd want to break in here? And they all, the door just like Seemingly swings open. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. All the liars enter, kind of looking down on them from the stairs. Let me ask you a question. Other than, as we'll find, the connection to Jenna, would it have been more fitting if this was the house from the end of the first secret? Um, maybe. I don't know. Wasn't that like in the middle of town, though? Yeah, it was like in the middle of town, though. Yeah. But I mean, like some of the hallways in this place reminded me of that yeah. set. Um, I did like that set. Yeah, it was a cool yeah. set. I mean, I, you couldn't like have like the weird Tim Burton room maybe in that place. Yeah, but. true, true. Yeah, so Hannah's in the lead, and she immediately, like, shrieks because, like, giant rats run across the floor. <laughs> She's just like, oh, my God, I hate rats. Hannah's back. Yeah. Emily hits lights. They're in, like, a dusty living room next to some stairs. It's kind of just, like, this weird, old, decrepit, abandoned place. Um, and there's, like, an important thing happening here that we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, so Arya says, I hate not knowing what this place is. And Ali says, and why Noel wants to meet us here? Because <laughs> it's a creepy abandoned like murder house. Like, hmm, why would he want to meet you here? Yeah. And then the weirdest thing. We cut outside the house. There's a, a dark woman or, you know, silhouetted woman looking in through like boarded up slats in the window. And we hear Emily's voiceover say, hey, you guys, there's something over here. And then this woman turns around and it's Mary Drake. She's outside. She was like looking in. Remember this. We will not see her again for 10 minutes. But for, for some reason, they wanted to let us know she's here. So yeah, later on, you were like, did we see her earlier? Did I just imagine that? Yeah, it was so weird. It reminded me, I don't know if you remember that episode of Mad Men, where Sally did something crazy. And as Dawn and, and Betty are uh, meeting with like the principal or whatever, mm -hmm. they cut to this shot of Sally like rubbing what looks like blood on her face. <laughs> it's this quick little insert and it was only on the broadcast version mm. apparently on the netflix and the dvds they don't have that quick little shot oh weird um it reminded me just of that like like just blink if you miss it but mm -hmm. this is a few frames longer than that obviously yeah, so but it's, says, it's like one second or something I mean, it's like you're like wait mary drake and then just like no oh, no forget about her <laughs> well because she glamored us as soon as she saw the camera was there <laughs> You don't uh, see me. Yeah, so back inside, Hannah says, none of this feels right. And Emily walks past some plaques on the wall that say, Joseph Lloyd King, School for the Blind. And then she reads them, Joseph Lloyd King, School for the Blind, established in 1873. I, I think this is an interesting connection. It's like weird, you know, weird gothic connection to Jenna. Uh, Joseph Lloyd King is, of course, I, Marlon King's father. Oh, okay. Um, I love that there's this continuing connection between her family and the dark shit that befalls the De Laurentiis family. <laughs> like, again, uh, her sister basically being responsible for poor uh, uh, Charlotte, like, like being accused of trying to drown young Allison. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. So then uh, Allie says, I visited Jenna in a blind school in Philadelphia, but not this place. And Spencer's come over to take a look, and she says, the school operated here until 2009, and then it was relocated to Bridge County. I mean, Rosewood is just full of, like, creepy, abandoned schools and hospitals and shit all over the place. It's, it's like, not even, like, a hellmouth. Because mm -hmm. almost, like, at the point where, like, 
oh, there's a literal sentient mouth <laughs> that opens to hell and demons are attracted to it. I get that. This is something weirder. <laughs> yeah, Hannah says, so Jenna could have come here when she first lost her eyesight. And Why? We're here. Who, would, who would send their daughter <laughs> here? Well, they're blind. They don't know. Uh, so then like a loudspeaker crackles. We hear Jenna's voice and Jenna on the speaker says, I didn't lose my sight. You took it from me. Shit. And they look up at the speaker. It's, it's like kind of a, like the top of the stairs. It seems like, um, and yeah. Oh shit. Jenna thing is waiting for them. They're kind of like looking around worried. And Hannah's like, how did she get here? And I was like, I thought Caleb and Mona were telling her. So yeah. They really dropped the ball. At this point, if I remember correctly, we're like 11 minutes from the end of the episode, 10, 11 minutes. Because yeah. I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't even know what this PLL death trap hashtag is supposed to be about. And then once her voice comes out of the loudspeaker, I was like, oh shit. Well, do you think they even like texted Caleb and Mona, being like, heading over to fourteen sixty five Elm Street? You know. <laughs> do you think that they thought to copy the flash drive before no. they made this meet? I'll bet they fucking didn't. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Hannah says I had the thumb drive. Uh, like kind of allowed to let Jenna hear. And Spencer says, give us a camera and we walk away. And Ari's like, and we'll pretend none of this ever happened. <laughs> and the liars have like been pretending for eight years that they never blinded Jenna. Yeah. So Jenna on the speaker's like, leave it on the table. Um, so Hannah sets a flash drive down on the table behind them in the living room area. They start to hear Hannah's voice then coming from somewhere upstairs. And we hear Hannah on the tape say, chance to tell me the truth? Wake up, bitch. Uh, mm-hmm. And Allie's like, what is that? Tape continues to play in the background. And Hannah sighs. And she's like, it's me trying to get answers from Noel. And Emily's like, the camera's upstairs. I just put that together. And <laughs> Hannah's like, let's go. So she leads them up the stairs. You know, Hannah, M, Allie, Aria, and Spencer in the rear. Of course, they're only halfway up the stairs when the front door slams shut behind them. So they look back, startled. Then smartly... They kind of like lean over the banister and see that, of course, the flash drive is gone. From the of course, the flash drive is gone. You think they made a copy of it? I doubt it. Even after getting it stolen again, they still didn't make a copy. Um, and it's like they're just resigned to this. Like, oh, well, like a ninja just like snaked the flash drive behind me. It happens. Let's just go upstairs. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe they think like the swap is over now. Like, I don't know. Jenna, Jenna seems like she's here for more than a swap. From, from her dialogue. This is like, I don't know. Like, yeah, this that's fair. Like, we have a tape. You you have, you have want a flash drive. Okay, we'll just consider this a handshake deal. It's a finale after all. We'll all regroup. We'll meet <laughs> up again in the next half season and continue this war. I'd be like, fuck. I'm God just not, not going to question why you're, like, on a loudspeaker. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa how close you must have to be to be on the loudspeaker because even if there were cameras in this room, it's not like you could see me. Yeah. So upstairs, they're kind of following the sound of that tape down this like creepy cobwebbed hallway. And we hear Hannah saying, fine, we'll do it my way. This is your chance to tell me the truth. Fine. We'll do it my way. Just admit it. Admit your AD. It's all like looped together. This, this we'll get in a second, but this actually kind of ties into one of your theories, mm. I think, all of this. Um, so liars like follow the looping dialogue into a room off the main hallway. This is, of course, full of old baby incubators with little doll babies inside. Of and I, course. And when I think it was I'm linking posted like the uh, social media thing of this from like, you mm-hmm. know, when they were filming this episode of the baby incubators, I was like, honestly, 
how the fuck do they get back to that kind of creepy place? <laughs> they, they just go there. Yeah. So Allison, classic sensitive person that she is, says, was there a blind baby epidemic I didn't know about? Nailed it. Uh, Emily pulls out her phone to use the flashlight. See Hannah walk over to, she finds her camera and like playing that interrogation tape in one of the incubators. And Emily says, this is where they learned how to take care of kids. And you hear Hannah on tape saying, I need to, no. And so this is where I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Has Mona been excised from this footage? Oh. That was what I thought was interesting because it's not like we ever hear Mona's voice. Mm-hmm. It seemingly has been edited to only include Hannah. Well, it could have just been that earlier conversation, but yeah, interesting. Uh, so Emily picks up baby doll from one of these incubators, which makes this like, you know, creepy toy like cooing noise at her and she's like staring at it freaked out uh you probably would not notice this unless you're paying really close attention but she she sets her phone down right now yeah in the incubator to hold the baby doll with both hands i didn't notice it when i first watched the episode no one did <laughs> later on when she mentions that she forgot her phone upstairs i was just thinking like of course you fucking did i feel like what maybe the they maybe they could have played it up a little more because well, it just makes emily look like fucking stupid well, I thought, how in this decrepit old, like, blind torture, <laughs> you know, school, how are they going to pan over to a display for the amateurs? <laughs> well, I mean, is, is this foreshadowing the Emerson baby here? Like, Emily's, like, you know, fascinated by this thing. Uh, then we see, or we hear, baby, yeah. Yeah, Hannah on the tape. Just admit it, admit your A. And then Hannah finally, Hannah finally shuts that fucking thing off because it's getting annoying. She's like, let's get out of here. So they all leave, and Emily's kind of like slow to follow. She like slowly puts this baby doll back down. She's like kind of freaked out by it, and she uh, puts the baby doll down right on top of her phone. She forgets that her phone is there underneath it. So that's where Emily's phone went. In case anyone was wondering. So they walk out of the nursery. Instead of leaving, Spencer decides to like cross the, to the room on the other side of the hall because it's filled with all sorts of weird crap. There's like a hanging anatomy skeleton. There's all these like jars of pickled objects. There's the Alexander the Great bust. There's Some, a f- like a menagerie of taxidermied animals. Yeah, there's a giant life-size bear and a tiger. There is a full-on medieval suit of armor holding a battle axe. There's hmm. seashells. There's bowling pins. And Hannah's like, what the fuck is this place? It's and I'm like, like, no, for real. What the fuck is this place? It's not just a Tim Burton room. It's also mm-hmm. a the Chekhov room because every one of these items I feel like gets used. Well, like, why is Spencer drawn to this place? Does she remember something about it? I don't know. Mm. Spencer's like, I'm not really sure. I mean, I I just we wouldn't leave right now myself. So she, well, Spencer's like, I'm not really sure what it is, but it's awesome. Yeah, they're kind of walking amongst the shells, past the suit, holding a double bladed battle axe. Uh, and Arya's like, God, I feel like I just walked into Tim Burton's garage sale. And then she starts shoving shit into her purse. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, this is Arya taking ownership because I feel like so many people are like, oh, look at that. It's the Christina Ricci of the group or whatever. And she's just like, <laughs> fuck you. I'm going to steal it back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ali's like, well, I'm not buying anything. <sighs> Let's get out of here. Ali's like had enough of this like sightseeing bullshit. Yeah. So she leads him out and all the liars follow and the camera kind of lingers over on one of those jars on the shelf and we see inside is a little pickled baby pig. Pig Junior rises. 
Epic Pictunia shout strains. out. She's like, Arya, let me out of here. Free my spirit. We'll rule the nine realms together. <laughs> Arya's like, I was already planning on doing that, Pictunia. God damn it. But first, before we <laughs> tackle the nine realms, mm-hmm. we have to go to Columbia. <laughs> There's a, a knot I tied that came loose. Um, yeah, the girls are all hurrying down the stairs, leave this creepy shit house, and then Emily stops midway. Oh no, I left my phone upstairs. Allie's like, seriously? And we made out last night? And the audience is like, fucking seriously? And, and I want Hannah to be like, just have Caleb get you a new phone. Seriously, Caleb just has like iPhones coming out of his ass. He just tosses them at you for nothing. Yeah. I, do you think it maybe would have helped to like pay a little closer attention to Emily's phone? To like, I don't know. It just makes Emily look stupid. I, well, I feel like yes, because I mean, in these kind of moments, you're programmed as a viewer after having seen so much to look at a certain way. Like, think about how fantastic it was with the fucking sconces in the dildo bedroom. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we watched already. We we registered. Oh like, shit! She put it's the thing the dildo in dildo bedroom now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny when we say it. It's funnier when someone else says it online. Mm-hmm. And people are like scratching their head, like, where did this become a thing? Um, yeah, like that moment was so perfect because you just watched it knowing Arya fucked up and then she didn't realize it. I yeah. yeah, I think it was almost too subtle. But again, this is a packed sequence. Yeah, I know. They're really jamming a lot in. Um, and so Emily's like, well, I don't want to go back up there myself. And absolutely nobody is offering to help out. Even though Team Sparia, they're behind Emily already. Like they're closer to the top of the stairs. Uh, so finally, Hannah just hands Allie the camera, just like exasperated. She's like, come on. And Arya's like, just hurry up, okay? This place is a creep fest. And Arya's saying that. Yeah. So Hannah follows Emily back up. I know some of the Emerson chippers were really mad that Allie did not go up with uh, Emily here. But, I mean, it's not like she knows what's about to happen. Right. Like, she's already at the bottom of the stairs. It's like, whatever. You're, you're closer, Hannah. Plus, I think, like, according to the theory, like, the tulpas are in no real danger anyway, so. Well, true. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Because they're they're thought forms. Um, So upstairs, Emily and Hannah around the corner, walking down the hall. And they hear the wood floor creak somewhere nearby. Well, I think it's, eh, we'll get in a second. Uh, Emily's like, did you hear that? It was the wind. Yeah, they walk in after a beat. Score amps up as no fucking con steps out from a door behind them at the other end of the hall. And he's like. You really think we'd let you leave? And they turn back. Gulp. Nice close up on the craze. No he just con. looks fucking nuts, man. Yeah, and he's just like, you know too much. <laughs> the team handling does like a double gulp as we go to commercial. Um, what I was going to say is what I like about this is that you've had the bulk of scenes over the course of the show between like Spencer and Arya and Nolcon. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting to have Emily and Hannah have to face off with them. Great. Yeah, that's they've true. had scenes with them. I mean – Noel's has some classic scenes in this season alone with Emily. <laughs> Poor Emily. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, as far as Hannah knew growing up, I mean, he was just like the weird douchey friend of her boyfriend. Um, anyway, so when we go back, they're still facing off in the hallway. The girls are quickly ducking that Tim Burton side room full of all the weird taxidermy shit and the pickled organs. And Hannah shuts the door behind them. But then Noel enters from like the door down at the other end of the room, which also in that same hallway they were in. It's darkish in here. So he apparently can't see them even though it's lit so well that we can clearly make out them and everything going on. <laughs> yeah. And and he's he, like – Classic line. Yeah, you can run, but you can't hide. So they immediately go to hide. 
ducking behind some shelves, which look like they could be pushed over, you know, offer well, very little cover. Yeah, I mean, these are like frame shelves. Like, there's no backs to them. Like, you can see straight through them. Yeah. Well, it's like when you walk into a room like this, certain actions are just going to happen. But yeah, but I really just want to point out how deranged Noel looks right now. Like, he has lost all patience. You know, and some he's, blood. And some blood. He's been tortured. He might have gangrene. Um, he, might have brain he has damage. a concussion. Yeah. yeah, brain damage. Like his his eyes are a little off kilter or something. Yeah, yeah. love it. I so they just gave him like a weird eye twitch the whole time. Yeah. Meanwhile, downstairs, other liars are getting antsy. They're looking back upstairs. Spencer's like, "What is taking them so long?" All right, he's like, "God, I really want to get out of here. I need to go murder someone." Let's go shopping. Yeah. And then they they hear footsteps. There's kind of like a room off the stairs, like next to the door. And they hear footsteps like in that room and they all gasp. And I like how Spencer kind of throws her arms out and like kind of like backs the other liars off, like like protecting them. I, I like the, the way she did that. Um, she kind of backs them up because silently uh, the Jenna thing has rounded the corner in that side room. She's got a gun raised out in front of her and she's like slowly approaching the entryway. Jenna's got a gun. Jenna's got a gun. They're just standing quietly, freaked out. Apparently Jenna can't hear them. With her Terminator ears, so she just like slowly lowers the gun and walks into the living room. And they're like, you know, three feet away. They're just like standing in a terrified silence. And Jenna stops at the bottom of the stairs. She listens, slowly heads up the stairs. Well, it's like PNL, PLL gets to definitely cross off, wait until dark, off yeah. the, like reference bucket list. The same week that I think, what is that one movie, like Don't Look, just got released in theaters. <laughs> Well, and just the image of like there's Jenna pointing a gun right at them, but like she doesn't know for sure that they're there. Oh, it's you know? just a great tension moment. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh shit, we're oh no, she doesn't she doesn't see us. Or she doesn't if you stay us. quiet, yeah, yeah. So Jenna goes upstairs, and the girls immediately start making a shit ton of noise. Yeah, because they're right, just like they brought us here to kill us. Kill all Doctor. And then Allie's just like grudge much, Jenna. Which yeah. is such an offhand, like, weird line. Yeah. <laughs> Grudge much. Well, it's, like, almost like Allison has regressed to a little bit of her high school, like, like bitchy mean girl. Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff here. And Ari's like, I'm calling the police. Text Emily. So they both pull out their phones, start texting away, but all for naught. Ari's like, I don't have service. And Allie's like, me neither. And Spencer says, thankfully. Spencer's like, yeah, yeah. of course not. <laughs> it's like, haven't you watched this show? Yeah, seriously. Um, Spencer's like, am I and Ashley Marin the only people who actually watch the show? That's actually a callback to the podcast. So. Oh. Um, Allie's like, God, there's got to be another way up there. Come on. So she leads them like the, off to the lower levels of the house. Yeah, they're like looking for another way upstairs. I don't know why there would be another way up. I don't know how. We know how big this place is, though. You know, uh, it seems just like a house, like with maybe like five bedrooms total. I don't know. Uh, so I mean, they could have just tackled Jenna. When her back was to them, maybe, I don't know, you know, how do you shoot the devil in the back? What if you miss? So upstairs, Hannah and Emily are hiding behind some shells. They're still watching Noel. He's limping around, like groaning in pain. Like, I think that knife wound is worse than it looks. Like, it's infected or something. Yeah. He kind of grunts some more as he he walks over to that uh, suit of armor there. He hefts that double-sided battle axe, takes it right out of the suit of armor's hands. Nolcon has a fucking battle axe now. Well, he's like a handsome guy, Bond villain, who like is, thinks he's like 
in a video game almost. <laughs> well, you really feel like uh, he's at the end of his rope right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is he's been pushed farther and he's crazed and like, you know, this is going to end badly for someone. Yeah. Because he, he's hefting this double-bladed battle axe and he's going to like monologue now. And he's like, I taught Jenna a lot. But one thing she taught Charlotte and me, that was how to smell fear. <laughs> he just looks totally insane. And then he looks up right at them because, of course, he could see them the whole time. Uh, I mean, this shit is getting insane. Jenna taught uh, Noel Khan how to smell fear. Which is a great aphrodisiac. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, audience, I know what you're thinking. We're all on the same page here. Noel Khan is probably not the most generous of lovers. I'm sure that's exactly what we were thinking. <laughs> so he looks right at them. Yeah. He breaks for them. Uh, how like, dare you besmirch Noel Khan's cocksmanship? <laughs> uh, until uh, Mary Drake saunters in and tells us how it is. Uh, She's like, let's put it this way. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, he kind of like is about to move on them. So they just like, shove over the shelf they're hiding behind. Of course. And it knocks over the next shelf and so on. Like kind of dominoes all these shelves falling over, smashing glasses of jars that were in probably freeing Pictonia or Pictunia. Um the shelf closest to Noel kind of hits him and like pushes him back. Mm-hmm. And he manages to like not fall over grabbing another shelf. But like you can kind of see the way he's moving. Like he can barely walk right now. Yeah. Yeah. And Hannah and Emily kind of rush out into the hallway and a dislodged bowling ball they knocked over just goes rolling past them. And I like how they like duck behind another door to hide. And then downstairs, the liars, like they hear this thumping sound as this bowling ball just bounces down the stairs and some wonderful foreshadowing. <laughs> and they rush over to see what it is. And they like back away gasping. It's like thump, thump, thump. He's like, oh, my God. And uh, oops, Allie, your voice has just alerted Jenna. It comes back to the stairway landing there, points a gun down at them. And she's like, Allison, is that you? And they say nothing, of course. And Jenna says, you've been the bitch, the missing girl, the dead girl. Tonight, you get to be me. She lowers the gun and kind of walks off to a room on the side of the landing. And then all the power goes off. They're bathed in darkness. Uh, kudos to Brenna on Twitter who joked, what if Jenna actually just turned on more lights? <laughs> I love that, yeah. And then Jenna comes back to landing with her gun out again. She says, now you see what I see. Nice. I mean, this just feels like an, an inevitable confrontation with Jenna. Like, sooner or later, it was going to come to this. Because they never found a way to properly apologize to her. So, <laughs> they have to be hunted by her. Well, it's like, you know, the thing in Jacob Clifton's article, like, Jenna representing guilt. This is the guilt they metaphorically, like, never dealt with. It's resurfacing to destroy them now. And their metaphorical shame mm-hmm. that's, uh, got Emily and Hannah hiding from it upstairs. Uh, Noel's limping out of that bed, that Tim Burton room, acts out in front of him, breathing hard. You can tell he's in pain. And he says, the next greatest Noel Kahn line of this episode, you bitches never understood me. I always get what I want. <laughs> to answer oh. that debate from before, I think we found our Warren from Buffy here. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So he moves out into the hall. Well, I mean, no, we just wish we had more opportunities to understand you. It's not like we haven't been trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, down on the landing, Jenna is slowly walking down the stairs. Arya, Allie, and Spencer are just like, they're just like frozen 
at the front door. They're trying to stay quiet. And Jenna's like leading with her gun. I mean, just that gun waving around is kind of like a little unnerving, you know, because she's blind too. So it's like, you never know when she's going to shoot. Yeah. Well, the Uh, big glasses too. So you mm -hmm. never have any sense of like, like on her face, is she about to pull the trigger? Yeah. And she kind of walks right past them in the living room area and they just kind of watch her go by. They're not willing to move. Yeah, so upstairs, Noel stalks the hallway. Nice shot of the silhouette of the battle axe entering the foreground, followed by Noel. There's a great view that they take like, sometimes down the hallway with the one window and like the orange it's light. Kind of orange, well, yeah, just through the drapes. Thinking, if you make it green, you also get the Vertigo reference. <laughs> well, that tie into who I think AD is. The way this is lit, like at all times, no matter what direction Noel is going in and what direction he's facing, he's kind of like there's like a highlight outline of him, but you can never see like his face or never see his body. You just see like this, like a light highlight silhouette. Uh, it's great. So yeah, he, uh, he's kind of like creeping out into the hallway. He kind of turns to the room at the end of the hall. It's like super moody. And then he switches back, like going the other way. And as we kind of like switch angles, we were behind him, like following him. Then we're like kind of in front of him. As he's like approaching us with the battle axe, and then like out from the shadows behind him, a blonde girl grabs a uh, coat rack and charges. <laughs> Hannah like lets out a battle cry here, and Noel tries to turn, but he's too late. Kind of like yelps as Hannah just like prods him with this uh, coat rack. His axe, go- yeah, that double bladed battle axe's hands it goes flailing at his hands. It's kind of spinning around, and it lands in a big thunk in the ground behind him, and we get a. Nice clear shot. We see one of those blades is buried deep in the hardwood floor. The other is tantalizingly gl- gleaming straight up. <laughs> and kind of Noel, like he kind of recovers from, I mean, I don't know if he got stabbed there or what, but kind of gathers himself and he winds up to take a swing at Emily, but she's faster. She's got some kind of like stick or something and she just like whacks him in the side of the head with it. He sends him crashing into the side of the hallway, which he bounces off of and then falls backwards. And then we <laughs> just... Sorry, good. Schlick. Schlick. It's just this like noise. We don't see it. We just hear it. Um, I know I saw some people complain about the staging here, but like it's still free form. Like this isn't Final Destination. This is, I think, brilliant though. Oh, it's, I because... thought it was really effective. It's, it's like so chaotic. Exactly like how a freak accident like this would occur, you know? Right. But it also, I mean, there's obviously clear parallels to what happened to Sarah Harvey. Right down to like, mm. Emily delivering the blow that sends the person into the thing. <laughs> and the fact that like the more important shot isn't somebody's one part of their body being separated from another. It's the reaction of the two girls. Yeah. That's, I mean, what, my, that's what really supplies the horror. My only criticism of these last five minutes, which are amazing, is that like I feel like you could have stretched this out like way longer. And I don't think you'd even lose any of like the energy. Like there's just so much happening that you you barely have time to process one like holy shit moment before you're moving on to the next one. And yet I I almost kind of wonder if that's what makes it so brilliant. Well, I did notice like doing the notes and kind of going through each little shot slowly, like you really get to luxuriate it. Like I think I appreciated it more going through slowly than like watching it all at once. But that is also a second reading though. I think think there could be something that's said for – an episode that kind of paced very slowly until the end, which is like this like frantic, crazy, yeah. you know, roller coaster ride. Well, it's um, just, there's like a, a 
pitiless machinery to it all. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. it's it's all wound up for this PLL death trap to, to go off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, both the girls kind of gas their repulse. They jump back and he's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And we hear that thump, thump, thump. Not unlike that bowling ball from a couple minutes ago. <laughs> Downstairs, the other girls look up. They're confused. Spencer's like, what is going on? <laughs> Ari gets her phone out uh, like to use a flashlight. And they all scream because Noel Khan's fucking head just thuds down to land in front of them. It's like staring up at them like blankly. Oh, if if we hadn't made the point, Noel Khan just got decapitated by like, mm-hmm. falling on the battle axe. Fell backwards onto that you know, battle axe conveniently pointed up to separate head so, from body. Yeah. Ali's like, oh my God. And Ari's like, oh my God, it's a head. Which number one? Great foreshadowing. A, yeah, we go a great from a great hush hush sweet Charlotte moment to a great callback from Norman Buckley's episode earlier this <laughs> season when Arya thought that she found the severed head in the burner apartment. Mm-hmm. Now you have found a severed head and it's somebody you know. Well and they it's just somebody you made out with. <laughs> They rush up the stairs, yeah, seriously, to see what the fuck just happened. Like, they, I don't even think they even process that, like, mentally. Holly's <laughs> just like, it's a real head. And after they're gone, Jenna kind of comes back from wherever she was in the living room. She's, like, waving the gun around, oblivious. And she's just like, you're, like, scared little rats. And oh, she, Question. Mm-hmm. Has she been off in another room just, like, monologuing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably. She's just saying like really mean things, hoping one of them, like Hannah, will like you know, retaliate out of spite. I feel like she was doing the uh, what is the little villain monologue from Skyfall? Like uh, there was an island populated. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, she comes back to the stairs and she accidentally kicks Noel Khan's head. Yes. Oh my god! And she kind of stops and like she gasps a little, like oh she's surprised, didn't think she'd bump into something. And then she just continues up the stairs and she's like, and you should be. <laughs> and Noel Khan's head's just rocking back and forth down below. They cut off Noel Khan's fucking head. Somebody mentioned on the internet that we need to start the internet campaign to award Noel Khan's severed head to Jacob Clifton. Mm. Like, well, they, that's not a prop. Wrong. I know. Still- yeah. Well, this is just so completely over the top, gory and horrific. I love it. Yeah. I mean, number one, decapitations are always super fucking creepy. Like, to me, for my money, that's, like, the most disturbing of all deaths. Mm-hmm. Like, I've spent hours reading the entire Wikipedia article on guillotines. It's just, I'm repulsed and horrified and fascinated. A little excited, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is I, why I think at the end of episode two, we wanted Django's uh, head to follow that helmet. Mm-hmm. Number two, Jonathan kicked Noel Khan's fucking head. <laughs> and it has no idea. Didn't realize it. I would have died if she like reached down and touched it and then like the like face. read the face and was like, no, no. Oh. Uh, also, you may have heard that Emily beheaded a guy. Emily, not notch another one on the side of her fighter jet. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? For all the things, I mean, going back to when Spencer went to the blind school in Philadelphia and she met mm-hmm. an early haired guy who Yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, I like that guy a lot. He talked about how like how uplifting Jenna was, how she was such a great teacher. It's funny for all the things that she's taught so many people. It's like she, the master, did not learn to smell no Khan's fear when he died. <laughs> well, maybe it wasn't fear. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Noel was in that classic bad guy character moment where they're a little too fucked to last anyway. Like you know, they're like they're a candle that's about to burn out. You know. Uh, so, so so like. Maybe also talking about different smells. 
Like they got to this place and Jenna's like, trust me, this place is fucking weird. This would be a great place to set up our death trap. And Noel's like, yeah, I'm into it. Hunting people for sports. I've always wanted to do that. And she's like, great. Noel, you smell like shit. <laughs> Did you poop yourself when she also, had you ha- tied to the chair? Have you smelled your leg? I think that's gangrene. <laughs> I can smell the infection. Yeah, so upstairs, uh, the other girls, Aria, Allie, and Spencer, they come up to see what the ruckus is, and they find decapitated fucking Noel Khan laid out in the hallway. He fell just right on that double-bladed axe, head slice clean off. We get, like, a close-up shot of this. It's all, like, disgusting and bloody, and there's a huge pool. I mean, like, this is definitely the bloodiest, goriest PLL episode ever. Yeah. Well, there's a body and then an axe blade where the head should be. And, and a blood all over the place, yeah. And so the girls see this and freak out all over again. Um, they look up and they see Emily and Hannah are like at the other end of the hallway, just like kind of standing there in shock. And so they uh, they kind of have to like slow the ease past Noel's body to get over to Emily and Hannah, like trying to trying to like sneak on by. Mm-hmm. And Arya's like, "We got to get out of here. Jenna's got a gun." Oh, they actually use that line. What's what's great about this whole sequence to me is that uh, at the end of season three, they're at the Thornhill Lodge, right? Mm -hmm. They don't really do a lot of damage in there, but they have to leave and the place burns down. So, like, I like the idea of, like, what if we put them in a structure and we just have them, like, fuck it up in a whole other way? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, of course, mention Jenna's name and she appears. Mm -hmm. She's made to the top of the, the hallway there. And she hears Spencer gasp, and she kind of swings the gun around their direction. I got to say, I love the way they have Jenna move, the way Tam and Cersei moves her. Like, arms are locked out in front with the gun, and, like, her whole body swings around. Like, it's – there's just something ominous about it. I mean, well, she's always – I mean, Jenna has always known how to move, like, body language-wise. You know, Tam and Cersei, she, she knows how to make Jenna just super, you know, disturbing. Well, and how would you move if you're pointing – your weapon at you don't know what yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and with the glasses and everything out it's, it's a great look yeah um so yeah she's swinging the gun around they're trying to stay quiet and eventually jenna like you know doesn't hear anything else so she just points the gun around the other way swings back the other way and so the liars are like oh it's an opportunity we're gonna sneak on past so spencer's kind of ushering them all forward Notably, that was interesting. She's moving away from the staircase. The others are all coming to the staircase, and she's like going back to the end of the line, kind of, mm-hmm. um, like a good leader. Uh, but their footsteps kind of give them away. They get a little bit too loud. Suddenly, Jenna swings around again, and then there's a gunshot. And we hear the girl scream. It's really hard to tell whether or not Jenna fired. You kind of see her trigger finger move. But there's no muzzle flash. Right. Um, like, she just kind of stands there, mouth hanging open. Like, I don't think she fired. That, that's my personal take. Like, I know you can kind of see your finger twitch, but I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that the, the gun doesn't fire here. I don't know. Part of me would not be shocked if Jenna never, like, if the gun wasn't even loaded. I, that could be, yeah. Like, like this whole point is just to, to scare the fuck out of these bitches. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, like, she wasn't realizing that Noel, suffering from brain damage, mm-hmm. might actually want to kill people or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, so we hear the liars yelling. They cut down the staircases. Ari, Emily, and Hannah and Allie are hurrying down. Off screen, we hear Spencer go, no! And there's another gunshot. 
another liars, gunshot. Yeah, another gunshot. Yeah, liars. I mean, this is like I, I picked this apart like the fucking Zapruder film watching this thing, <laughs> <laughs> trying to like wh- how exactly does this all go off here? Yeah, the liars like downstairs. They rush to the door, but it's locked now. And Ellie's like, "They locked us in." And Hannah's like, "They were never gonna let us out of here." And well, duh, Hannah, it's not a PLL live trap. Mm-hmm. Um, they all look around panicked, and Allison's like, "Where's Spencer?" So then mm-hmm. we. Cut to a trail of blood on the hardwood floor. We follow it to find Spencer struggling, crawling on the ground, grunting and gasping in pain, doing her best Noel Kahn impression. Uh, she's holding a hand close to her chest, wincing. She's trying to get away, but she's in great dis- distress. Uh, we angle on the doorway into this room. It's the baby incubator room, the nursery, and Jenna has just entered with her gun. Following the sound of Spencer's agony, and Spencer's trying to crawl away, but there's nowhere else to go. So Jenna comes in. We should mention that uh, Spencer's been shot in the shoulder. Um, Seemingly, yeah. Uh, we can't really see where the wound is yet, but she's kind of holding holding one arm close to her body. And, uh, yeah, she's crawling away, like, on her hands and knees. Uh, it's bad. And Jenna appears in the doorway, swinging that gun around, all these silhouettes, all of the lighting. And she says, is that you, Spencer, hiding in the corner? And she kind of laughs. She says, I smell your blood. Oh, man. Yeah, so she's now a blind werewolf with a gun hunting girls. And well, here's th- the, things Jenna can smell. Perfume, right? Mm-hmm. Fear and blood. Yeah. Um, this is a weird thing, though, that kind of goes into what we were just talking about. Why would Spencer be bleeding if Jenna never actually shot her? You know what I mean? Like, like Jenna would be more concerned about somebody else with a gun, I would think. I think she is, actually. Okay. That's, that's my personal read. Um, but, yeah, she's... I think she she wants to kill. So she yeah she lowers the gun to steal herself for that final shot, and she says, "This is as much for me as it is for Charlotte." So she aims again. Spencer's trapped, bleeding from that sucking gunshot wound in her upper left chest. Nowhere to go. And then suddenly, someone tackles Jenna against the incubator. She screams. Her sunglasses fall to the floor. Spencer's freaking out, looking like she's going into shock. Oh, we we finally see a good shot of Spencer in her face and her her body. That is not like up in the shoulder. That is like a couple inches from your heart, that wound that she's covering up. Like that is a sucking chest wound and she looks haggard as fuck. Yeah. But yeah, so Jenna's slammed by the ground, slammed to the ground by some mysterious figure. And uh, Spencer's kind of like going into shock here. A gloved hand kind of reaches down, picks Jenna's gun up from her lip hand, limp hand. It's Mary Drake. Hey, remember her? She was outside watching when Liars first got here. Well, I like when we see we see Jenna's glasses. Then we see her laying there on the ground, like unconscious. I like that her eyes are cast in shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so Mary looks at the gun for a moment, like really considering. Like, like for a moment, you don't know what the fuck is about to happen. Then she sees Spencer cowering nearby, and her expression is blank, maybe a little menacing. She moves closer. Well, Spencer is like... Man, she's got this fierce, I'm dying, but I'm like not going out without being defiant look on her face, you know? Or or just knowing. Mm-hmm. I have to know. Um, so she stares up panting, bleeding to death. Out in the hall, the other liars are all running past like Noel's dead body again, calling <laughs> out, Spencer! They go in the Timber room shouting her name. So we cut to some like dark black boots. A gloved hand reaches down next to them and picks up Jenna's sunglasses. We see Mary Drake's like huddled over Spencer singing to her. Spencer's like laid out on the floor now, bleeding all over her white sweater. Well, the, the those gloved, uh, that gloved hand and those black boots, those were not Mary. This is somebody else. Even though Mary's also wearing gloves, yeah. Seemingly in the room nearby, but Mary is either oblivious 
or doesn't care. You know, well, we don't. I don't want this to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Whatever fucking reason Mary is there, she was smart enough to wear gloves and keep them on the whole time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, seemingly if she were to look up, she would see this other person in the room. But she's focused on Spencer singing a lullaby to her like Mockingbird, that Mockingbird, don't sing. Um, this other black booty, black glove presence like has got Jenna Thing's arms and dragging her away. So the liars all come rushing over, calling us Hunter's name. Allison finally checks the nursery, yells, in here. And we well, hear it's, like, it's like by the time Allie found this place, this other presence, who I think we can call AD, yeah. like walked in, picked up Jenna's glasses, and just dragged her out of there. Right. Yeah. Um, so we hear the end of the diamond ring, hush, little baby. Um, they rush in to find the Mary Drake's like singing to a dying Spencer, and Allison's like, Mary? They're horrified at the sight. Emily's like, oh, my God. And Spence, Hannah yells, Spence, oh, my God. What did you do? And Mary says to Spencer, please don't leave me, Spencer. Spencer looks up her like she's going into shock, like she's convulsing a little. She can't talk. Mary says, I would never hurt you. I'm your mother. Oh, shit. The, well, the angle is very similar as she looks up at her to Dream Spencer in 701. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So Spencer stares up, glassy eye. It seems to comprehend this. The other liars are stunned for one more fucking time tonight. Well, you know, this isn't exactly like the big monologue scene for Troy in here, but like she really looks like she's fucking dying. Like the makeup and everything's great. Yeah. I okay. So, well, we let's let's close off this scene. Let's close off this scene. So, yeah, Spencer. She's heard this. The other liars are stunned. Spencer looks up into Mary's eyes and it's it's as though like there's a recognition, there's an understanding in, in Spencer's eyes, and then they just slowly fade shut. Yeah. Um I always try to bring up this the small, unique perspective that we have on the, the making of the show. So again, that one scene, I always think about okay, the Spencer character had the run up to fly the stairs. So we <laughs> actually got to watch Troy and Belisario <laughs> yeah. jumping up and down in a coat, then dropping the coat and running the scene and doing the thing. I think to myself, off camera, what the hell is she doing to get to this place? Yeah, really. <laughs> so Spencer is Mary's daughter. She's the secret gelarentist, Charlotte's sister, Allie's cousin. Who's yeah. the father? <laughs> Peter Peter Hastings, most likely, but most likely Peter Hastings. He's got a lot of jam. Um, I'm gonna guess it's probably a surrogate thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe not. I mean, there's a whole Peter having an affair with Jessica and Mary shows up and is like, Yeah, I'm Jessica, like something like that. And then and then Peter looks at the camera and he's like, I know it's not actually Jessica. I don't care. <laughs> um, I mean, I think this explains a little about Jessica's hatred of Spencer. Mm-hmm. She thinks Spencer is like bad genes and will eventually go crazy too. Never turn your back on a uh, on a hasting. So who fired the shot? Yeah. Well, so there's a couple theories on this. I, I'm pretty sure it was not Jenna because Jenna basically says so later. Um I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder if it was some kind of accident. Accident, and I saw this good theory on Reddit from uh, Bank on the Champ, who kind of threw this out that Mary shot Spencer by accident. Mary mm-hmm. was like aiming for Jenna, and Spencer got in the way, either like on accident or on purpose, like in a fit of gallantry. I could totally see it. And then Mary later, like Spencer's totally freaking out, and Mary's trying to say like, "Oh, I would never hurt my my child." It's like, well, you may have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and it could go back to the uh, the little Teddy thing, you know, and maybe mm-hmm. maybe she actually did harm little Teddy, but she just went <laughs> into like this weird 
little fugue state. Um, I mean, or it could have been AD. We know AD was in the vicinity. Spencer screamed out a no before her second shot. Like that seems to suggest something. Yeah. You know, like she she wouldn't scream that out for no reason. Well, like some sort of she she recognized something or she was being attacked. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if she just saw another gun being pointed at her, even if it was just a dark figure, yeah. yeah. People tend to yell no before they get shot. Um, and I always think too, is it possible that, that somebody, maybe AD, doesn't like that she's the secret dealer in this? Well, here's the thing: AD walked into that room, could have easily murdered Mary and Spencer, like finished them off, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They just took Jenna and dragged her away instead. I'm just going to go ahead and say that that I feel more resolute than ever that AD is Charlotte. Hmm, okay, I I'm, I go back and forth on that, and that it's it's not even so much about who killed Charlotte because you couldn't you couldn't reveal that Charlotte's actually alive if you're Charlotte because you want to. Well, you then wanna what is take she doing? The, you want to take the target off your back. Well, I feel like what if someone tried to kill her? She survived. She managed to fake her actual death. But well, now she's trying to figure who out who tried she, to kill her then? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, but, it, um, it might have been where somebody got hit over the head and she knew. Another the alley killer, situation. She knew the killer was aiming for her, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, AD didn't finish off Marion Spencer when she could have. She dragged Jenna away. This could suggest that there are some other motives involved. Um, one easy theory right now is that it's Charlotte. It's funny, I'm like reading my notes and like we're, we're on a wavelength. So, like, Charlotte, of course, would not kill her mother and her sister. Um, but if not Charlotte, then who, I guess? Like, I feel like any chance Mary was, like, a surrogate and not the true mother or something, like, I don't, I, th- I think that's too much, personally. Like, that's well, too far of a wrinkle for me. Isn't it theoretically possible that Mary would still feel that motherly connection? Well, let me, let me just lay this out here. Okay, we've got Spencer, secretly adopted. And her mother is a secret twin of her formerly assumed dead friend's mother, who was also having an affair with her father, which resulted in like a surprise like relation with her friend's brother. Like, there's so much already to throw in a like, no, there's also a secret other mom for this one mom that you are, you know, like it's like how many fucking moms is Spencer gonna have by the end of this? I feel like like I don't I don't think it's someone else's baby Mary's carrying. I think it's hers. So it's Romeo and Juliet. But mm-hmm. what if the Montagues and Caplets were all cousins? Yeah. <laughs> so we can theorize a little more in a bit. We've got a, a wonderful scene here. Oh, either way, you're going to get to 720, and whoever AD is, Spencer's going to be like, but you shot me, and they're <laughs> going to be the joke, but did you die? <laughs> <laughs> but did you die? Uh, yeah, so cut to the Leaving Rosewood City Limit sign. Are you emotionally prepared? Are you emotionally prepared for my ascendance? Some sirens are blaring. An ambulance drives past. Lights flashing. It's a very cool shot here as we kind of like the camera like moves around behind the ambulance and follows it for like 100 feet or so, like zooming down the street. And then the ambulance kind of pulls off to the right and the camera pulls off to the left. We see, oh, there's like a truck like wrecked on the side of the road. There's all this stuff that was in the pickup of that or the, the uh, bed of that truck dumped all over the road. There's like duffel bags and boxes and, oh, a deluxe Scrabble table with all the Scrabble pieces just spread out on the uh, 
the the pavement there. It's Toby's truck, of course. So it's like that tree was like, hey, it was a lot of fun kicking your ass in Scrapple. Oh, shit. R.A.P. Toblerone, did we call it? Uh, camera zooms in over this wreckage. There's big dents in the side of the truck on the driver's side. That seems like too much for a side swipe. Like somebody plowed into them, seems like. Although I think like in one of the interviews, they're like, oh, no, it wasn't AD. So, you know. No, I think they said this is just a car accident. Yeah. Um, so we kind of. You know, there was no brake fluid because yeah. Tony was so distracted by Spencer's. Exactly. He forgot to put refill the brake fluid and rut row. <laughs> yeah, we move right up to like this hissing cab. There's all this like steam and fog. Like this whole kind of shot construction is really cool. It's all one shot too. Um, oh, there's Toby Cavanaugh. He's prone. He's slumped over the steering wheel. He's covered in blood. Uh, he's not moving. And we keep panning around. We see there's a big old tree branch sticking right through the windshield into the passenger side. We're an equally bloody and unconscious, unmoving, possibly dead Yvonne is just sitting there prone as well. Mm-hmm. Toby. And we cut to the force ghost of Toby appearing beside Yoda and Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Who would be the Luke Skywalker that he nods to in that scenario? What a good question. Spencer? Uh, Ian? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Ian gets to be the Luke Skywalker. Uh, I think well, it'd have to be Spencer. I would love an actual moment in PLO. I wouldn't actually love it. I hate mm. it. But I would love an actual moment in PLO where you actually see the various ghosts of dead characters watching and Toby joins them. And he's just like, fuck, you guys, Garrett, <laughs> Ian. Ugh. And then, and then, of course, another one of the ghosts appears and says, it's not all that bad. In the showers. Um, so... All sorts of theories coming from this. I mean, we got a we got a lot of people in a state of uh, mostly dead right now. Will uh, will some organs be traded between parties? I mean, I, let's I be real. It. Spencer's going to live, right? I mean, there's yeah, no Spencer's question. Yeah, Spencer's going to live because it's yeah. Spencer. Um, I don't think that they were like, "Don't worry, Troyan. We'll free up time for you to direct an episode <laughs> by killing you." <laughs> what um, if they took Toby's heart and gave it to Spencer because she like needed a heart transplant? I've seen a lot of that theory. I've seen a lot of the, like, maybe you'll get Yvonne's heart. I kind of like Toby's heart because then it's kind of like in the dollhouse when, uh, spoiler, like, Hilo randomly dies at the end. But he, like, lives on in Echo's brain. Um, I kind of like Toby's heart lives on inside Spencer. Very poetic. Fingers crossed for that happening. Uh, Yvonne, like, that would just be so shitty to kill her off to be like, well, that wraps that up. Now she can get with Toby. Yeah, I mean... uh, (sighs) I'll put it this way. I don't think this is a Jon Snow situation. Well, you know, I, I made that, uh, you know, Toby Cavanaugh in memoriam video. I got a lot of people being like, maybe he's not dead. Are you sure he's dead? And I, all I had to say is like, look, we've got seven months till the next PLL episode. Let's just enjoy it. He's dead for right now. Okay, don't ruin it. Let's just all bask in the glory of Toby own Cavanaugh being dead. There's also question mark at the end of the video yes it's, yeah it's not like it's a definitive statement but i'm just um, saying let's let's just enjoy it let's all well, enjoy toby being dead everything they've said is that he's dead and i well, yeah, think they said the same thing with mona but yeah but i have to think that also it was like they got a lot of shit for the mona thing mm-hmm. they saw that kit harrington got a lot of shit for the john snow thing um Granted, I would love for him to come back just for someone to tell Toby he knows nothing yet again. 
Um, I don't think he's going to do like a Starbucks thing where he appears and he's alive and then he (laughs) disappears into a field in the finale or whatever. Um, He's going to live on inside Spencer. I have no problem with her having flashbacks, having dreams, just imagining conversations of Toby. Um, There's... There's no reason Keegan Allen can't still be on the show one way or another. I mean, mind you, Allison was on the show for years, and as far as we knew, she was dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I mean, I don't know. It would be kind of interesting if Toby died and, like, Spencer and Yvonne kind of had, you know, I feel like they'd they'd have a friendship to form over that. Or maybe yeah. Yvonne would be like, fuck you. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think they'd, they'd be really interesting bonding, especially mm-hmm. since Spencer... That's Toby's heart inside of her, you yeah. know. There's always that, but like you know, they started to bond maybe over like Yvonne's past. You know, their 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 issues of being a mother, mm-hmm. not wanting to be a mother at that time. Um, plus, I like that in a season that's been deadly to to women. Yeah, especially like two guys died. Yeah, <laughs> in spectacular fashion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, memorable. I mean, Toby, this death, and the, especially the way they, they, like you said, the way they framed and constructed the shot, like, well, just it's, building it up to out. it, it was yeah. just like, it was like, when are they going to kill Toby this whole episode? <laughs> yeah. But I feel like all the stuff, you knew it was coming. And you're lying to yourself if you didn't yeah. feel it, some part of you. That's how I knew to make the video. Um, yeah. So, anyway, we get an A tag here. Uh, we're inside a, a van, somebody in all black clothing. Closes the back door to the van and they close it from the inside. They're like kind of hunched over walking to the front of the van and uh, they lean down. I mean, this is a obviously a leans down and sets some sunglasses in Jenna's hand. Who's just kind of lying on the floor of the van. She's just waking up. Um, I find that gesture interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a respectful gesture. It's like a, not intimate gesture, but you know, it's one of familiarity. I think it's, it's, it's giving Jenna. It's basically giving the superhero back their domino mask. It's not something you would do to someone you yeah. had a lot of animosity towards. I feel yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So, a drops, you know, puts the glasses in Jenna's hand and goes forward. And Jenna, like, it's funny. Her eyes are open, but of course she can't see anything. She says, "Who are you? Did you shoot Spencer?" So for her to, for her to ask that question, I feel like that says she did not. Yeah. Otherwise, why would she be asking that? Um, big floppy rubber mask kind of gets tossed back and lands next to Jenna. Uh, it looks like a, an old man mask. It's like mostly bald with some scraggly gray hair on the sides. I actually went back and like skimmed through the whole episode. You never see this anywhere. Uh, it, there's no like secret, like creepy old man in the background. Um, so Jenna reaches over. She's kind of feeling this mask in her hand in the driver's seat. A starts the engine, uh, a reaches up and pulls their hoodie down lower on their head, making sure we don't see any features there. And in the back, Jenna's kind of figured it out. She's kind of whispering. She's like, you're AD. And in the driver's seat, AD says nothing. Cut to black. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. I, I meant to look this up. I didn't. Is this the first time? Like, for a long time, the, the new A, like the, the five years, four days. return of black hoodie. Black hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. Black Hoodie is back in all its glory, which is a. Uh, I know, mean, you uh, don't really even get like Black Hoodie or anything with the person in the barn of Hannah in 701. Yeah. Well, I think that's fuel for the uh, Mona fire for sure, right? Yeah. I mean, they kind of 
like tease us because it looks like maybe like Rick had like folded up black hoodies in his like dildo drawer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he really did. I don't think they're actually black hoodies. But yeah, this is like the return. And I love this because it's not so I dislike the masks or I didn't dislike the, the animated oh, emojis or anything. The hoodie is iconic. It's iconic. And I just don't think that they had presented us with a, a really iconic look for AD uh-huh. yet. So Sometimes you don't mess with iconic, you know. It works for do, a reason. If you're going to do the eight and a half carousel, you know, through all the greatest hits, bring back what works. Yeah. So, yeah, I have so many crazy theories. I was like, I seriously couldn't sleep. I was just like theorizing last night. Um, not even good theories, too. Just a bunch of questions. Hmm. So I, I feel like this last scene suggests, and, and Marlene confirmed the interview, Jenna knew, she, she knows about AD. She doesn't know the identity of AD. Uh, which kind of makes me think, like you think about like a so-and-so working for AD. I think essentially everyone is working for AD. Yeah. Like the liars in their own way are working for AD. Like my feeling is that AD wants to know who killed Charlotte and AD has basically set the game on everyone. It's AD's shaking the tree. They're going to, they're going to like spin up, Jenna and Noel and Rick and Mary to do one thing. They're going to get the liars doing something else. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Mona's up to. Like everyone potentially is doing something either because of or in reaction to AD. And AD is hoping that somehow this will lead to Charlotte's killer. Well, and isn't it kind of similar? Like I'm going to go ahead and have uh, Paige and Sabrina fight and I'll just take on what's left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I feel the way AD put the glasses, like give special treatment for Jenna's disability, that to me says there's no antagonism there. Um, and I, I think you can kind of see maybe AD has been playing Jenna's team off the liars this whole time. Yeah. And I think, I think it, it, that familiarity, that lack of antagonism kind of ties into also if Jenna was telling the truth about her Charlotte flashback, if it's Charlotte. Yeah. Well, and if that's the case, then I don't think it was AD who had Hannah. It could very well have been Noel. If AD is threatening Noel and saying, fine, give me the killer or else I have other things I can do to you. And Noel's going to like go way over the line in order to do it. And it's not AD doing it. Uh, which to me, that makes me think that maybe Mary's kind of like the stopgap. Mary seems to be kind of tangential to AD. Like she's not AD, obviously she can't be. Um, but like maybe Mary was the one who she was going to come in and kind of like get Hannah out of that situation, keep it from going too far. Hmm. Um, there's that. I mean, it, it could have been Noel who had her. Noel could have been driving the monster truck that tried to kill Emily. Uh-huh. Um, Noel could have very well been the, uh, the cop in the mask who attacks Allison. Well, and it kind of really suggests that this AD is not getting their hands very dirty unless they absolutely have to. Because they have other people they can manipulate into doing well, this. Well, then, you know, it makes me wonder. Because I always like to think of, like, what is your area of speciality? If, for some reason, Jenna's good with, like, audio technical stuff, could she have been or- orchestrating the uh, the uh, Rick quotes onto the phone to call, mm-hmm. you know, the phone and be like, if you want to bury someone, you stupid bitches, blah, 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 or whatever. Oh, um, and someone's faking Rick going to France and whatnot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like in, was in France, which is not a country that that you know does not have origins or ties of certain characters, mm-hmm. especially. 
Yeah. Well, and it seems like the kind of the B team, uh, you know, like Jenna and Rick and Mary, maybe they were emoji kind of operating under this very kind of like minimal guidance or threats from AD, just as the liars were kind of like set off at the same time to go. Like the liars are basically like assigned whether they knew it or not to investigate like themselves, Ezra, Melissa, Mona, Sarah, you know, like they're, they're doing AD's work for her or him. Yeah. Which is not dissimilar, I think, to the ultimate torture game in the dollhouse too. Mm-hmm. Kind of like examine themselves with the idea of like torturing each other. Well, like when did Charlotte recruit Jenna to her side? And Noel, like seemingly sometime in season five. Because, I mean, Noel had that line about Jenna teaching Charlotte and him uh, to smell fear, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. But that that kind of implies a, a camaraderie there. Right. Well, and you no. Know, so prom is happening as like the, the that end game in season six is going down. Mm-hmm. And I know you're never going to see it because it's just casting and money and schedules and things. But I always wondered like, what was Noel doing at prom? Was he at prom? Mm-hmm. Like, were these characters well, getting? You know like, who was at prom with Jenna, though? Who was that? Lucas. He was a prom date. That's right. That creep. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the hot theory right now is definitely Mona. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, number one, who was that blonde person she was meeting in 503? Is yeah. that really looked like Charlotte? Yeah. And if and if that's the case, then Mona knows way more than she's been letting on. Right. Um, also. Which, which would be a great, like, utilization of Mona's legend, mm-hmm. you know. Also, the the meeting in five oh five, Sydney, Jenna, Mona. Who is the fourth person? Um, and I was thinking about this. Like, we kind of assume that Mona's time in the dollhouse was real, and I don't really know why. Because Sarah was also faking being a prisoner in the dollhouse, so it's entirely possible that Mona was faking too. That's a good point. Um, well, I mean, why? it would make her plan incredibly Machiavellian and like convoluted, but I mean, Mona loves games too. Well, and I wondered, be I've all, I've often wondered, like, if Sarah was one of the jailers, mm-hmm. you know, and not one of the jailed, like, why at that point take on the role? Like, wouldn't yeah. that imply that you knew that like it's Pompeii and it's also Volcano Day? Like this is all going to come to an end, or was it because she had fallen out of favor with Charlotte? Uh, yeah, you have to wonder if maybe um, she got thrown in there for, for what, being a bad girl. What was Sarah like? Really, like what? What the fuck was she back in town to find? Because it wasn't really Emily's heart. I think I do believe that Sarah legitimately still cared for Emily, but she knew that that ship had sailed. <laughs> that yeah, ship I mean, Sarah's the goddamn mountain. Sarah's a little nutty too. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah's a little nutty too, but like. I felt like there's obviously so much more that both characters knew and were not saying when uh, Mona and Sarah had that little heart-to-heart on the street corner. Well, do you remember when uh, Mona in, in 501 like recruited a whole army? Yeah. And that all got built up, and she stole Allie's army and everything, and then just like faded into obscurity. Um, yeah. Like in 610, Mona stays behind in the lair, which she seems to know how to operate very well. She stays behind for some reason. Uh, how the story ends. And Which is funny because the liars are literally going into the story. And Mona was saying that I want to stay behind and watch it. Well, and we know Charlotte left to Paris. 
but she came back eventually, or at least like I was watching parts of 610 last night and I could totally see how you could go back and say Charlotte's performing here. Like there are certain parts where she kind of avoids questions. It's almost like she's, she, she avoids, like she'll turn away from Allie to perform for the camera, for the liars mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, like why, why was there that setup to begin with? Why did Mona and the liars have to see her remotely doing that? Mm. Um, Cause it, it kind of seems like there was an a in early season five, a brutal a who was not Charlotte and not shower. Like well, I, this is my, my kind of feeling is that Charlotte has an ally that's not shower Harvey. And maybe that ally is just Mona the whole time, or maybe it's AD. Like one of the two is, is my feeling. Okay. Um, I thought it was interesting because so Charlotte leaves for for France in 501. 505, A makes an explosive return. Mm-hmm. Charlotte does not really reveal herself again until the Christmas episode, mm-hmm. you know, sometime later where she has that special. Uh, perfume that she's made. <laughs> yes. It for, smells like baby hookers. Yeah. It smells like baby hookers. Like, I always thought that was so weird. I mean, something about even, even thinking about it, even though knowing all the stuff we know from, from 610, I keep thinking like Charlotte just got back in some way, you know, well, or it, something. Charlotte never really addresses the dollhouse in 610. No. You know, and, and it kind of makes you wonder. Well, she just refers to them as, as her dolls. But yeah, but like all the torture in the dollhouse. Yeah. And it kind of makes you wonder, was there another party, a more brutal party? And you could kind of see how Charlotte might be taking the fall at the end of 610. Well, considering how much of A's or or Charlotte as we know her now, psychology was Mm. literally architecturally built into the dollhouse. I mean, what was it we were... We're in A's brain or whatever, or whatever it was called. A's heart, A's soul. The soul. A's soul, yeah, soul ring. Um, if you were to reveal that some aspects of that, like she wasn't running the dollhouse, that what would that mean? Like, what, what, like it's about going back in time and changing someone's memory. Like, what does that mean? Was she lying about well, all of the history of Charlotte? Is she do you remember saying? in halfway through six B, we got an A tag of somebody setting up those torture devices again? Yeah, never saw. You know, happen. if Charlotte is not alive, then the AD who's doing that um, could that be? Could that be this mystery, that, mystery ally? You know, was that a blue glove person? If I remember correctly, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, so. was blue gloves shower? <sighs> no, I don't, I don't I mean, know. Did did Emily actually see shower at the thing of the eggs? Because I think shower was wearing blue glove blue gloves and that kind of like you know medical gloves. I'd probably. Um, yeah i don't i just if any part of that's not true and so much of that story is built into her her origin and her actions as we got them in 610 i mean is is it some of you like like cc comes back and she's like by the way that whole story like was not true i'm not i feel like it was probably mostly true but like there's a part where they're like hey jason said he saw you talking to melissa and charlotte's like oh uh yeah, I don't know. He must have seen somebody else, or he saw Bethany. Like, there's little parts of her story that she kind of glosses over and changes the subject on, or doesn't really address. Which you could say, well, they just, you know, it's a plot hole, or they just didn't cover that. Or you could say that's intentional. I guess we'll have to see. I think, but it, it, 
if they have some kind of great patch, you know, and I think we were, I think the patch is one of two things. It's either Mona or it's this mysterious third member of the, the triad with the Charlotte and shower. If they have some kind of great patch that explains like the, the Bethany Charlotte and like Toby's mom (laughs) on the roof thing. I, you know, I never need to see more Bethany young. I think I've made myself clear on that. Yeah. But I mean, if they have some kind of patch basically trying to explain the timeline, Oh, the timeline. Yeah. I feel like, you're opening just a whole other can of worms because then they're going to get nothing but shit about their interactions. Yeah, fans with complain the fans. anyway, whatever. But I mean, Marlene, you're, you're damned if you do. You're even more damned with Hellfire if you don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Mona or, or Person X. That's that's my feeling right now, and I it can't be Lucas, right? Please eh. God. Why are they bringing See, I, Lucas is head? Lucas Why? is totally yeah seriously, but Lucas is totally like another A minion, you know. Like there's lots of A minions. I feel like, which is why we can't get a handle on it. But like, th- there's an actual person who is really sad that Charlotte died, um, or everything is a misdirect. What do you? What does AD bring Lucas in to do now that Caleb's Money? already giving phantom massages? <laughs> I just money and resources, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe that, I mean, that would legitimately explain Lucas's like business success. Yeah. As if he basically just was getting like business tips from Charlotte or somebody <laughs> vastly smarter than he is. Um, All right. Have we talked this to death? No, no, not even close. So okay. you mentioned something about the Charlie Craig interview. I haven't seen since we're already basically in a spoiler zone mm-hmm. here. What was the thing of Ren returning? It was something like his, his return will, like be part of the final reveal in a major twist or something. It was like, wait, what? Why, why did you tell us that? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, oh. I mean, as much as I don't see how or why, or if it's even necessary for Ren to be involved with the final reveal, other than be like a red herring, uh-huh. he's just some poncy British dude. Like, what do you, what storyline necessitates pastor Ted returning? Man, don't get me started. Maybe he's the Teddy. Person, I don't know. Teddy actually survived. Yeah. All of that shit that poor Mary's been like dealing with psychologically was bullshit, anyways, because Teddy survived. Yeah. And he's an asshole. He laughs at his own jokes. Maybe she should go back and finish what she was accused of doing. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Um, There was a title card at the end of the episode. I feel like maybe we should say something about it. In loving memory of Eric Justin, who is, uh, or formerly, the PLL, one of the sound mixers on PLL for a bunch of episodes, uh, apparently passed away recently. It's kind of sad. He's only, he's like in his forties. Um, and you know, I, we joke a lot about like Emily's constant moving aura of animal noises and twigs snapping around her. Like that's basically this guy and his peers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like I was doing my notes and I saw this at the end and I stopped and thought like, Hmm, what's like a, what's a really memorable like sound mixing scene of PL PLL. And the one that immediately came to my mind was uh, Aria and Duncan and the plane and S two E 23. I, the beholder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I looked it up and sure enough, Eric Justin was one of the sound mixers on that with uh, Jeffrey Perkins. I'll definitely encourage, like if you're curious about what a sound mixer does, go watch that scene on Netflix. It starts at 2141. It's a really good example of like how the sound mix can kind of sweeten the drama of a scene. Cause you got this airplane humming, you know, the engine, the humming in the background the whole time. 
and Arya and Duncan, they kind of had to shout a little to hear each other. Uh, and this is like, that's such a hard thing to get right. Cause they, ha- they have to sound like they're shouting, but they can't be yelling so loud that there's no emotion there, you know, like no acting. Um, yeah, it's just, I went and rewatched that scene. Like the way the, the airplane hum, it's not just a steady constant hum. It kind of, it rises up and down in the volume. Like when Arya takes control, it gets louder because like her nerves. And then when we have to hear like an emotional memory of Allie, it kind of gets quieter. Um, I don't know, just the way the, all the noise is manipulated there. It's to me, it's like a perfect example of what a uh, re-recording mixer does. And uh, Eric Justin did it. It's a sad, sad tale for him. Um, But also got a great, like IMDb credits. I mean, Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. Good Wife, Elementary, of course, PLL, and much, many other shows. So, yeah, I mean. Well, it's one of those things you normally don't notice. Like in that scene, it's one of my favorite PLL scenes. It's like, oh man, the directing's great. The writing's great. You're probably not even noticing that like the sound mix underneath it all is kind of like weaving the magic to make it all like just have that little extra juice, you know? Well, and I just, just seeing this, I always like, when because i mean for a show that is so much about family mm-hmm. like i've heard nothing but from people who make this show that that's what they all are working together they are a family and you can it's nice when they have this they have a moment like this for someone who's you know lost from their family yeah um so, rest in peace eric pour one out um yeah just want to add that at the end anyway we got a few reviews before i get into this did you have anything no, I just wanted to thank everyone who's put up with us yet again. For I, I can't believe you're still listening. Yeah, well, for just this episode, but for 10 episodes of season seven, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, wow. <laughs> thank you. Um, I can't wait to be able to sleep again. Yeah, uh, seven-month hiatus, folks. I know. Um, and yet, you know what? I'm Part of me is going to be dreading it. Part of me is going to be super sad. I mean, I've, I've asked Benji before just casually and when it was not real. <laughs> What does the last episode of this podcast look like? I have no idea. Neither do I. Uh, anyway, so reviews. Uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at broswatchpll2 on Twitter. Our website page is broswatchpll2. Uh, I have my notes to say shout out to Sally and Tess. I'm not sure exactly why, but I put that in my notes. So there you go, Sally and Tess. Uh, we got a few reviews in iTunes. In the U.S., we got Steph578-8543. Look, I put those in my notes because by the time we get to this part of the episode, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Uh, Guys, I'm looking at the counter of Skype. I don't know what the actual final count will be. This thing almost says four hours. <laughs> It'll probably be. Get. We're still talking. Probably be about 3.30. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Steph and those numbers. Uh, all hail Pictunia. Thank you for that review. Uh, Crystal is A, Dell 101, MV, MV Lad Doy. I don't really know about that. Uh, Cymaster with her sincere emoji. Thanks to you. Thanks to Laura Ann, Princess DZ in Canada. We had Alexa Sapecki and Tinny P. And in Israel, our first review from Israel Girls Listen to Bros Watch PLL2. Hey. Thank you for the review. We have an insane amount of reviews. Uh, really glad people like the show. Uh, yeah. We like doing it. Glad and, that you like PLL like we like PLL. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's it's a hiatus now. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, I guess we could do some rewatches. I don't know if I really want to, but 
I, it's hard to say now because mm-hmm. just finished it. And like you said, we're looking forward to not being up until 4 a.m. <laughs> on a weeknight. On a talk, work night, yeah. Yeah, talking about PLL. But like in a month, ask me and mm-hmm. I, I might feel differently. I mean, I, I, we've talked about doing some other kind of special episodes. I know when 7B comes around, we've talked to some people about doing some very special episodes. I'm looking forward to those. Like a, like a very special episode with a lesson at the end? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Which is, uh, if you do it by your fireplace on a rug, you won't get pregnant. We just uh, we gotta see if we can get old Keegan Allen on here. Keegan Allen, I, please. I, I think he might hate us. I I would like to hear that. And, and I have a theory as to be why. Two hours of us apologizing. What's the theory? Well, I mean, you know, one of the many reasons why. Do you remember when we did the Troyan interview? Yeah. And on Instagram. You posted a picture of her from 324. And he, that great great photo photo of her in the A hoodie. Yes. And you posted that photo and you did not attribute him on the photo credit. And he just commented, like, I took that photo. And I feel like you really, like, offended his, like, photographic, uh, like, ideals. And I think ever since then, he's been mad at us. Um, Whoever, I'm so sorry. I mean, in addition to all the other horrible things we do. Making fun of the voice, yeah. I want to point out whoever tweeted at us just recently. I am so sorry, I forgot you were like a picture of life, love, beauty, and was like, "Ooh, jealous." Um, <laughs> I went out and bought that book. I was excited about buying that book, and I will tell you, if you have not looked at Keegan Allen's book, it's a very interesting book. Not just the PLL behind the scenes photographs, which are fascinating, especially the the shadow play ones. That was the first time I saw like the actual colors of the costumes they use. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, Keegan Allen's a great photographer. I, I look forward to. Uh, uh, deaf hate volume two, deaf hate ugly or whatever mm-hmm. you'll call it. Um, that'll I, just be pictures of our uh, like you know desecrated corpses, corpses after he murders us and the things that he does to us. Um, yeah. like uh, kind of like White Rose taking care of that grave and the latest Mr. Robot. You haven't watched it yet. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want to say I saw your video the Monday before this last episode aired. And regardless of what happened, I knew that Toby had to die because you would basically <laughs> so that video take, would live. You basically had taken his soul and made it eternal in that video. That's why, like, I don't know. It's like I don't know if we're gonna get into it, but like, some point I would like to come back and just talk about the the storyline from beginning to end of the Toby character because it's so weird when you see clips from throughout the show. Uh, The one clip you and I were marveling over, when he's talking to Emily on the street about, you got to be careful about who you get close to. And he's saying it right to us. Yeah, the way he's He's looking right at the the camera. I love that. Anyway, so rest in peace, Toby. And and like I said, it's somewhere in season four. It's the flashback of him and Allison and the the cars and the lazy mom and the, the driving and crying. And I was like, Oh my god, all this shit I've talked. I actually really love what he's doing with this character. <laughs> anyway. Alright, I'm gonna... Got it. I still have to edit this. Okay. Um, we'll be back when we're back. R.I.P. in peace, Toby. Yep. Bye-bye. <laughs>